This is Line Dance Podcast. I'm Christopher Gonzalez. Welcome to our show, to Line Dance Podcast. What is your name? I am Joan Price, and I'm so happy to be talking to you. And I am very happy to be talking to you as well. Uh, you you are here in in the lovely what is this is this considered Sebastopol? This is considered Freestone, is but Freestone, it's six right. miles west of Sebastopol. Okay, and we are on location due to cast. <laughs> what happened with uh, with the ankle? Do you want the long story or the short story? The long story. The long story is that in 1979, which I know is decades before you were even born, I was in a near fatal automobile accident, and among many many injuries. My heel was shattered, and my ankle was crushed. So for the last 36 years, I have been dancing on an ankle that doesn't move. It doesn't have any motion. And now there is available, yay, a total ankle replacement, which will give me mobility and, and take away the pain. So I had the surgery in November, and this is now end of December, and I am recuperating and can't wait to be walking, let alone dancing, again. And what is it that that, uh, you do in the line dance community? I teach line dancing. I teach contemporary line dancing in two places. Mm -hmm. I teach at Coach's Corner in Sebastopol, and I teach at Ellington Hall in Santa Rosa. And how long have you been doing that? (laughs) About 25 years. Wow. I know. How'd you get started doing that? I got started doing that. It was a funny story. Uh, Long story or short story? Long story. I know you love the long stories. Okay, so... The long story was, after my automobile accident, it took a very long time before I could walk again, and I couldn't wait to get back in the aerobics room, because I knew that my aerobics habit had had saved my life, Mm. had really saved my life, Mm. because the doctor said, we don't know how you live through the first hour, Mm. and I knew that it was because I'd been doing aerobics regularly, like six days a week, Mm for the last year and a half, and my heart was strong enough to go on automatic pilot until help arrived. Mm-hmm. I knew that. Uh, and so when I was recovering, and I couldn't walk but longed to, I would see all these people who could walk and chose not to. Mm-hmm. People who were sedentary, who didn't want to get out of their chairs when I was just aching to get out of my chair. And I vowed at that time that when, not if, but when I I can move again, I was going to, I had a mission to share the joy of movement. Mm -hmm. So I first did that with starting to teach aerobics. And I worked as a personal trainer also, specializing in people who thought they hated exercise. Mm -hmm. And I said, uh, exercise should be a treat, not a treatment. Mm -hmm. And the reason you hate exercise is you haven't found the exercise that you love. Mm -hmm. So here I am teaching aerobics, the years go by, uh, just a few years, I go through menopause. I did not want to set an alarm for six in the morning after being sleep deprived all night. Mm. Any women of a certain age who are listening to this, you're going, uh huh. So along about that time, one of my line, one of my aerobic students said, You've got to try this wonderful class I discovered. It's line dancing. Mm. So I went to my first line dance class. We learned Alley Cat, Mm. and I fell in love with line dancing. Mm. So I decided at that point, instead of teaching aerobics at 7.30 in the morning, Mm. I wanted to teach line dancing in the evening. Mm. So I totally changed that part of my life and switched to teaching teaching line dancing and gave up the early morning aerobics and was very happy. 
And then I was single. I'd been single for a very long time. And the man of my dreams walked into my blind dance class and I tried to remember how to breathe. It was just, oh my God, I've got to know this man. And he then changed my whole story. He was the love of my life. He was the reason that I changed from writing books about health and fitness to writing books about older age sexuality. I know. So now that's the other part of what I do. I teach line dancing in the evening, yes, but I write about senior sex in the daytime. How about that? Well, it's all people coming together, I guess. I know. It's all people coming together. Huh. So did he get into the, the dance world as well? Yes. And in fact, he had already been in the dance world. I didn't realize it his first day that he walked in. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had been dancing since the age of two. Wow. Yes. He started tap dancing at two. And then as he got to college age, he was doing musical theater, ballet, modern dance. And his life was dance. He was an artist. Um, you see his paintings surrounding me here. Uh, and he was an, uh, a visual artist, but he also was a dance artist. And so when he came into line dancing, he, he had recently moved to the area, was looking for a new place to dance. And, hmm, wonder what line dancing is like. Hmm. And he came in and stayed. Hmm. Yep. And was this one, it was like pretty big in the pop culture as well? It was, hmm. but... My class wasn't necessarily, my class was struggling to get students at that time. Mm. At that time, the class he came into was at Dance Central, which is now Ellington Hall. Mm. But at the time, it had a different name, a different owner. It uh, it was before the big remodel, so it was a very different kind of place. It was struggling to survive. It got a lot of West Coast Swing students, but it didn't get... Um, didn't get too many for other forms of dance. We were in trouble publicizing it. So my class was really struggling to survive there and ended up leaving that venue and going to Coach's Corner, and he followed me there. And he became so uh, in love with line dancing, as well as in love with me, I have to say, that he um, became sort of a co-teacher with me. He would sub if I had to be away. He would teach with me. He would take the beginners under his wing and tell them not to be discouraged. And so many people tell me now I wouldn't have stuck with it if Robert hadn't put his arm around me and said, don't get discouraged, don't get easier. <laughs> so he's still a part of the dance classes, even though he died in 2008. Did you have any favorite uh, partner line dances together? Yeah, we choreographed a little together. Really? And then he then he started choreographing on his own. Well, we choreographed a dance together, which actually won um, a competition at one of the conferences. However, this was before the time of YouTube, mm. so it was not recorded, and nobody ever did it. And <laughs> you know, so it, it faded away. We had our moment of glory, maybe an hour of glory. And uh, then, then no one ever did it, so it was gone. But we were proud. We had choreographed a prize-winning dance. And then he continued to choreograph, and he went on to choreograph some really marvelous dances, some that we still do. What are the names of some of these for people? Um, well, one of the... And, and his name was Robert Rice. Mm-hmm. So I'm Joan Price. He was Robert Rice, different by one letter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he does have some dances on Copper Knob. I mm-hmm. uh, Think, golly, it was before Copper Knob, too, that mm-hmm. we were doing this. I think we've put them on. Anyway, Music to My Heart is one that we actually brought back recently mm-hmm. for a birthday request. And 
Um, he did a wonderful one called uh, Baby Grand and Sex Appeal, uh, Jazzed About You. And he was a delightful and very serious choreographer. Mm. Yeah. And is uh, he the primary influence for your choreography style? Like, how did you start out with uh, going from instructing to uh, choreography? Well, um, <laughs> it was partly a way to get his attention before oh. we started dating, but when he was coming to my class, I was trying so hard to get his attention. I have to, aside, my first senior sex book is called Better Than I Ever Expected, Straight Talk About Sex After 60. And it's mostly the spicy memoir about my meeting Robert and coming together with Robert and back to line dancing. Mm -hmm. um, he was coming to class, but I didn't know if he was interested in me. I couldn't tell. Mm -hmm. He could tell I was interested in him because mm -hmm. I'm a little bit assertive, mm -hmm. aggressive, spider lady. I don't know, something like that. <laughs> but he, it turned out later when we knew each other well enough to talk about these things, he knew of my interest, but he saw me as the dance teacher. I was his dance teacher, so you don't cross those boundaries. Mm -hmm. So, darn it, he didn't cross those <laughs> boundaries. But I kept trying to think of excuses to spend more time with him, because mm -hmm. I was just, oh, totally smitten mm -hmm. by him. So I said, why don't we choreograph a dance together? Mm -hmm. So we did. We did one that wasn't very good. It was our first try. It was a nightclub two-step. I can't remember the name. Oh, Night Traveler was the name of it, but don't look it up because it wasn't very good. Anyway, we worked on it together. We taught it to my class. And that's actually how we started choreographing together. And then as we, as it developed and we fell in love and admitted that we were in love and, and the whole thing was wonderful, fabulous after that. Um, we then would choreograph together sometimes in the living room. Hmm. Yeah, and learn dances together. We would learn... I remember, in fact, learning Evergreen in the living room with him. That's going to forever be one of my favorite dances because that was one we learned together and it was so romantic. Do you know Evergreen? I don't think I do. Oh, my gosh, yes. Beautiful. Beautiful nightclub two-step. Hmm. I think I might have heard it come up on the request list in Vegas. In yeah, place. it's a classic. Mm -hmm. It's a classic. It won, it won Crystal Boots this year, but I'm not sure. I'm not positive. Hmm. It was uh, by Karen Hun. And the living room you're referring to, is it in this same house? Or? Um, he did work with me in this living room, but we never lived together here. After about four years, we moved in together. Mm. Uh, we always lived in separate places before that and just visited each other a whole lot. Mm -hmm. But once we moved in together, uh, no, it was after about three years, I guess, we rented a house in Sebastopol because my house is too tiny for two people. Mm. And he looked at it and said, there's no room for me here. <laughs> So we rented a place and had a nice living room there. But before that, we danced in the living room of the house he he rented in Santa Rosa. Hmm. So we've danced in every in every living room that either of us ever lived in. Nice. Yeah, mostly uh, I I have to dance in my kitchen because it's the only place where there's a solid surface. Uh -huh. Other places where it's like carpeted everywhere or it's like sticky linoleum floor in the kitchen, they have to go into the garage. But people find a way if they really yeah. want to to make that space for dance, they make right. it happen. You mentioned that uh, your class started out kind of struggling to, to promote and yes. to, to get out there. But yes. now you're like a fixture. You're you know, it, Within Sonoma County, you are like the person to go to. People ah, look to you when, you when they're, you know, having a, a party that has a line dance theme. It's like, right. oh, well, we better call Joan. How did that happen? How did you go from struggling to like the name in line dance in Sonoma County? Uh, the internet. Hmm. Because 
I mean, not, not only that, it, it was also word of mouth, mm -hmm. because when students found me, then they spread the word, and they brought people. Mm. Um, some, of, some of my students were very loyal, and they would bring people. Um, I have to do a shout-out to Juanita Brownlee. Do you know her? Oh, I'm, I'd have to see her face. <laughs> Are you okay. She does senior classes now. Mm. Um, she, was, she was in my class, and she was so loyal and faithful. She followed me to everywhere I taught. She was in my original class at the Dance Central and came to coaches. And, uh, and she would bring people. She would say, this is my friend, and she's going to try the class now. This is my cardiologist, and he's going to try. This is my dentist. She would just bring people, and many of them stuck with it. I don't think the cardiologist and the dentist did, but a lot of people did. And we, I called her the ambassador of line dance. Mm -hmm. She'd be wonderful to interview, in mm -hmm. fact. Yeah. She's not an instructor. She's always been a student, but... She can tell you a lot about it. <laughs> um, and then also the internet. I was only half joking about that. When I put up my website, uh, of, of all the things I do, joanprice.com, it also has the line dance section. Mm -hmm. And the people who hire me for parties find me that way. They, they Google line dance Sonoma County, and I'm the only one who's advertising for it. Oh, yeah. Makes sense. Uh, oh, the thought just jumped right out of my head. Where'd it go? Ah, where is it? <laughs> it had to do with instruction. Oh, okay. It was, uh, it was about the people, the, uh, the people who speak about line dance and your class in particular, what is it that they say to their friends that, that gets them to actually go instead of just like, Oh, I'll try that sometime. Like, is there, is there a way that she, she would tell people that would, uh, just make them like, Oh my God, this is like the second coming of Sliced bread. <laughs> Second coming of sliced bread. I'm not sure, but I suspect because this is these are the kinds of compliments she gave me that people feel very welcome right off the bat. They feel they can do it. They don't feel they have two left feet. Or if they come in and they tell me I, they have two left feet, which happens all the time, I say, "Oh, don't worry. I've got a closet full of right feet. Go ahead and help yourself to one. Put it back when you're done." Uh, and I also tell them. The rules of my class is uh, rule number one. If you don't get it, it's my fault, not yours. Your job was to show up, and you did that, so you've done what you needed to do. Now it's my job, so relax. And um, I tell them there's no such thing as a mistake. There are only variations. Mm. So I try to make people who are very unsure of themselves and think, oh, everybody's watching me. No, they're not. They're watching themselves in the mirror, or they're watching me to figure out what they're doing or they're watching someone they can count on to help lead when they change directions they're not watching a newcomer they have all been newcomers everyone has been a first timer and I just want first timers to know that yeah you don't get it the first time but what you do get if I'm lucky is you have enough fun that you know you want to come back a second time it's all the first time is for it's an audition for the second time. Hmm. That's a lot like dating, actually. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> it's all the first date is. It's an audition for a second date. What is it about specifically line dance that has hooked yourself and the people who keep coming to, to line dance classes as opposed to just cardio um, with whatever music playing and they're just kind of going through various motions? Like, What is it about the steps of, of line dance that yeah. hook people? Part of it is that they feel like they're part of an ensemble. Everyone's learning the same thing. And now that's true with aerobics too, except that 
with aerobics, the instructor is just cueing what to do. You listen and follow. Generally, you don't have to memorize. You just listen and follow. Or you memorize a phrase, and then it repeats and repeats and repeats, but you don't change direction. You don't have that challenge. But with line dancing, you're challenging your mind. You're challenging your body. You're having a social experience. You get to dance full out without a partner. And for many people, that's crucial because so many of us don't have partners. And partner dancing, while all over the county they can partner dance, you don't have to have a partner going into any of the social dance lessons because people, they rotate partners and, and, and it's assumed that you're not necessarily coming in with a partner, it's fine. But once you're dancing on the dance floor, it's one-on-one -on -one with a partner. For some people, they don't feel comfortable doing that or they're in a relationship with someone who doesn't dance, doesn't want to dance, or they don't have anyone to dance with, or maybe they lost a partner and they would just burst into tears if someone else's arms was around, were, were around them. I mean, there are all these things going, we don't know what's going on for people in our class. We have no idea what brought them there. So what we have, as instructors can do is just teach our very best and make people feel, feel welcome. And part of teaching our very best, because I know you're going to ask that, is people have different learning modalities. Mm -hmm. Some people learn best kinesthetically. They do it, and then they feel what it's like to do it right, and they can do that again. Mm -hmm. Other people learn auditorily. They have to hear the directions. Once they have figured out what those directions mean, then they can follow those directions. Some people learn visually. They don't really, it doesn't even matter so much what I'm saying. They're just watching what I'm doing. It's like, a, um, I see, I do, I see, I do. And all, and probably a whole lot of other learning modalities I'm not even thinking about right now. Oh, some people just through repetition. Mm. They may not get it at all. They may not have any idea what we're doing the first few repetitions. And then it kicks in. Mm. And some have to work with their brains on it. Others need to tell their brains, get out of the way and let the feet memorize it. Mm -hmm. So I'm guessing you are a feet memorize it dancer. I think I would have to be taught a brand new dance right now just to like see how it is that <laughs> I would learn it. Yeah. Uh, but you, you seem to have uh, a, a good grasp of teaching. Have you done other, other teaching outside of line dance? <laughs> what a great question. Do you know the answer to that, or is this a real I, I, question? This is, this is something I, I might, have, <laughs> might have picked up in one of your classes. I taught high school English for 22 years. Oh, yes. That so familiar. <laughs> yeah, I taught high school English for 22 years. Then I taught aerobic dance for a dozen years. Mm -hmm. And then I've been teaching line dancing for 25 years or so and yes those overlap I'm not as old as that turns out to be or maybe I am but that overlapped I was teaching high school when I started teaching aerobics I was teaching aerobics when I started teaching line dancing so all of that overlapped a bit I didn't give up one thing for the other right away and, uh, one thing I, I've been thinking about lately as far as the line dance ambassadorship and it's yeah. in my, my new set of questions I believe at one point in the cards uh, is when when interacting with people, like let's say you're at a country bar and and you you know you dance however you dance, but then you get off the floor and you interact with a person one on one, just how you are as a person uh, will influence whether they want to get involved in the activity that you enjoy because they're thinking mm -hmm. like oh if they're a jerk I don't want to be 
like yeah. that jerk and then do the things that he does and then become a jerk myself like uh-huh. that that would be awful but if you're friendly and if you're if you're yeah. confident and um and you're really making that outreach then people will think oh cool I, i'd love to hang around more people like that right so as a as a teacher uh, there are certain values i guess you have to to embody for your students to look up to when you're in especially high school and they're still figuring out what their values are how how do you do that how do you make values that you want to have as your own become your own are there habits or or practices that you you did or do it's perspective mm. and i i think i'm answering a question but tell you tell me if i if i'm not mm. When I teach, it's not about me. It's about the people in the class, especially mm-hmm. the newer people in the class. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's about the people who are struggling to get it. Mm-hmm. They're the ones I focus on. I, and I look around the room, and I know I can always see that Brenda's getting it right away, mm-hmm. and Iris is getting it right away, and uh, you know who you are, all of you, who are getting it right away. But what I try to look at is who are the people who are, who are not getting it right away, mm-hmm. and how can I teach better to get to them? Mm-hmm. One thing I learned when I was teaching aerobics is there were two kinds of aerobics instructors. This was in the aerobics heyday when everybody was doing aerobics. There were the aerobics bunnies and then there were the aerobics teachers. Two different, very two different people. And the aerobics bunnies, that's not a very nice thing to call them, but um, they were there to look at themselves in the mirror. The aerobics instructors were there to look at the class in the mirror. Very different attitude. So and, and the aerobics bunnies were there to get their own workouts. The aerobics instructors were there to maybe get away from the mirror and stand beside someone and say, this is how. Mm-hmm. And not to worry so much about, oh, so what if my heart rate goes down? I'm going to help this, pe- this person. Mm-hmm. Whereas the people who were more concerned about their own workouts, oh, I'm not going to stop. My heart rate might go down. I mean, come on. So translating that to a dance teacher was a pleasure, really, because it's assumed that I'm looking at them. It's assumed that I'm teaching them moves that they can do, that they can enjoy. And if they are getting it and if they're smiling, I know I've done something right. If they're getting it but not smiling, I've got to figure out how to crack a joke that'll get that changed. <laughs> yeah, that's one thing I've noticed about your classes. Oh, they're Things serious! <laughs> Everything goes so smoothly, and like you're always able to like interject something. There's never that awkward silence. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I guess that just comes with practice. Yeah, it and, does. Uh, one of the questions I was going to ask you, uh, I guess you might have uh, answered somewhat, is like, how do you get that sort of geniality and confidence that uh, that makes a good ambassador for line dance? But I guess if you're not thinking about yourself and and you are focusing on the other person, just kind of getting out of your own way. Then, then yeah, you don't have to worry about like whether you're saying or doing the right thing or you're dancing, you know, perfectly because it's it's about the other people. It's not about yeah, yourself. It's about them. And there's something that um, I know a lot of line dance teachers don't do that, but I think it would be very helpful. Mm-hmm. Something I do in my classes is I get people to count, and you've observed that. Mm-hmm. And you go, oh, I've never had a teacher that made me count before. Um, and here's why: a few reasons, really. If they can count it, they can do it. Because the dances are in rhythmic phrases. So if they, are, if they know they're doing one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, they can get that. If they know they're doing one, two, three, and four, and five, six, seven, and eight, that's a whole different thing. Mm-hmm. If they're counting it, then their feet can go, okay, I can follow those numbers. Plus, it is getting the people not to be passive, but to be active. 
if they're not doing anything but trying to learn, receive, taking it in, they're passively learning, and that's okay. That can work for many. It doesn't work for everyone. But if they are actively learning because they're feeding back what they're understanding, one, two, three, and four, and five, six, seven, and eight, oh, that's how those moves fit my feet. Hmm. You know, so it is, um, it's one of the ways I make the transition. Not everybody likes that. You know, some people come into my class, they hear, uh, especially they come into a beginner class, they hear everybody shouting out the, the, the counts, and, <laughs> and they go, I don't think I want to do that. They're shy at first, and I encourage them to do it as soon as they're ready, because it really does help to learn. It really does help. But some people don't like that, and they go away. Um, <laughs> one person actually criticized and said, I don't like it when you, Okay but I'm going to do it because it works. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like training wheels on a bike yeah. where you don't have to ride with them forever, but they yeah. help you get yeah. that confidence, feel like, I am doing this. Yeah, that is what I'm doing. Yeah. Are there any other uh, little little strategies or, or uh, tricks that you've learned really work for, uh, for getting them to actually learn the dances? Repetition, repetition, repetition. Mm-hmm. And that's where it's helpful not to look at the fastest learners. Mm-hmm. You look at the fastest learners, you think they're ready to go on. Don't look at them. Look at the midpoint of the class and below that. Now, the very slowest ones, the ones that are newest in the class or have a really hard time learning, they probably don't want the whole class slowed down to their pace. Mm. They really don't because then they think, oh, my God, I'm slowing everybody down. They know I'm the only one that didn't get it. Now, oh, God, what do I do? So we don't want to do that either. Um, and, And that's a tricky thing, and I do that wrong sometimes. Sometimes someone will say, don't pay attention to me. Stop looking at me. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, got it. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> appreciate the feedback. Uh, and I do appreciate the feedback. But there are others, if you look at the midpoint and just a little below that and pace it there, yes, the fastest learners are going to think, oh, my God, move on. I got that already. But maybe it's not for them. Maybe I don't want to lose these three people who haven't gotten it yet. Is there a format that you tend to follow as far as like about how many reps is is good per wall before you move on to? No, I watch them. I watch them. It depends on who's who showed up that night. And sometimes the, it's it's going. We sometimes we'll move fast because that's who's there. And sometimes I'll have maybe a beginner starting to make the transmit is transition into intermediate. Well, that's pay, that's still going to go intermediate pace. They have to know that's what intermediate pace is. And um, you, just as your first time in beginner, you didn't get it the first time. First time in intermediate, you won't get either. And I would really get people upset with me if I slowed down to people who weren't ready for that yet. But I do encourage them to stay with it, and they will get it. It's, it's a tricky thing. It's all about you know what's going on behind my back, not what's going on under my you know in my dance shoes. We're going to take the briefest of pauses. One moment. And we are back. All right. That was all of 15 seconds in, in our timeline <laughs> here. Uh, so it definitely does depend from class to class. You know, yeah. uh, when minute you to on. minute. Uh, is, there, is there, I mean, at this point it must just become instinct for you, but uh, is there a, uh, a 
general breakdown of like, well, well, we'll do the first eight counts, we'll all do them together, then when we're there ready, they'll go on to the next eight, and then we'll add that onto the top. Right. What, what would your kind of class look like? Well, it's like that. Well, to, uh, first of all, I'll demo the dance so they can see it to music in its entirety. Okay, here's what we're aiming for. But don't worry, I'm going to simplify things till we get there. And then I'll teach, let's say, you want to hear about beginner or intermediate? Or? Oh, everything. All right, let's say beginner. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it's actually much easier to teach intermediates. Mm. You know, they've already got the habit. They've already got the love bug. True. Um, they're going to they're gonna stick with it. They're going to get it. They know they know how to get it. They know how they learn a little bit. They're going to make it work for them. Mm. For beginners, it's more of a struggle. And if we only emphasize the intermediates, line dancing would, would die out mm-hmm. because we've got to have the new influx of beginners. Mm-hmm. We, and besides, we owe it to them. People who are coming to us at 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years old who are saying, I've always wanted to dance, teach me. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, what's better than that? So um, I'll show the dance, show it to music, and then I'll teach the first eight counts and they'll do it, and they'll count it, and they'll do it again, and they'll count it, and the, and we'll slow it down, and then we'll speed it up, and then we'll add on the next, and so on, to get the whole choreography, and we'll do it to one wall, we'll do it several times to one wall, and then, okay, now it's ready to take a new wall, and then I joke that they're experience, going to experience wall amnesia, which is what happens when... You knew the choreography, but facing a new direction, it's gone. Mm-hmm. It's gone. I don't know what we're doing. I've never done this dance before. <laughs> what do you mean we've done it? And and then this, I hand out uh, am, well, amnesia pills. See here, <laughs> take some. <laughs> so that we, we just sort of demystify it, defuse the angst and the, the stress of it. Practice to a new wall. I try to have wall leaders mm-hmm. in each position. It's often normal for someone who's new to think, I'll be in the back where no one will notice me. No, now everybody's going to notice you because when we turn to the back wall, hello, you're leading without a mirror. Mm-hmm. So I try to tell, we, we, we have our people I say are our logistics directors who help herd newcomers into the middle mm-hmm. so that they're surrounded by people who can be the wall leaders. And I think that's important, and often I see a dance taught where teachers don't bother to do that. Mm-hmm. And I think, ew, when we turn around, who are the new people going to look at? The teacher can't be everywhere. We think we can, but we can't. Mm-hmm. We can be at the most two places at once. Kidding. <laughs> but if we're running wall to wall, we still can't be everywhere. Mm-hmm. So I try to have wall leaders, and I tell people, not don't look out back at me over your shoulder. Look at the person ahead of you. Mm-hmm. Look at so-and-so. Look at so-and-so. And uh, another thing I'll do for beginners is if there's a complicated... Uh, you know, I tell them that beginning dancers are actually of many levels. There's A, B, absolute beginner, which is the ultra beginner. People walked in for the first time can be successful. Dance like Cupid Shuffle. Right. Everybody can do Cupid Shuffle. They've never danced before. Um, and then there's the, the regular beginner. It's a little more complicated than that. And the high beginner. And then the, what I call mid-intermediate, but it's actually the sort of in-between beginner and intermediate. So there may be five levels of beginning dances. Mm-hmm. And over the course of an hour, if I have people of different beginning levels in that hour, 
then I don't want to bore the high beginners with cubic shuffle all, all evening. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'll start with cubic shuffle and I'll explain. We're going to get progressively a little harder. And if you get to the point where you're not getting it anymore and you're thinking, oh my gosh, I'm saturated, I can't learn it. It's just, you know, you've reached your limit for tonight. And it's okay to just stand out and watch. You're still, you're still getting it. You're still learning the dance. When you come in next time, if we do that same dance again, it won't throw you so much. So, um, so if we're doing, say, a dance that's mid-beginner level, and it has maybe two turns over eight counts instead of one or none, I will maybe take out the turns first. Like even just a simple thing, like let's say we have um, a vine with a quarter turn on count seven. Um, simplest kind of vine with a quarter turn. We'll teach them a vine first with no turns. Then I'll say, now, the only difference from what you just did and what you're going to do is on count seven, you're going to do a quarter turn. Then you're going to focus on where you're facing and do your count eight. And then we'll do that a few times. And if there's more than one turn, we'll, we'll do it that way, little by little, if I have ultra beginners. If I don't, we, we can skip that part. If we have a, um, a move, say, a kickball change, and it's the first time anyone's done it, we'll break that down. We'll do that with the right foot. We'll do that with the left foot. We'll do that a few times in a row. A sailor, a sailor shuffle. We'll do four in a row. We'll do them going backwards. We'll do them, we'll try them with the other foot. And then if I, if I just have, say, high beginners in the class, and a dance has a kickball change and a sailor shuffle, I can just cue it because I've taught them what those are. But if I have new people, we're gonna learn that from scratch. And I always ask for the high, the, the high beginners indulgence. I say, you remember what it was like when you were brand new, and now you get to see how far you've come. And let's help the people who are brand new now. I have a special affinity, I think, for the new people. I, hmm. I love instilling in them the joy of dance. I wish I, my parents had given me dance lessons instead of piano lessons mm-hmm. when I was a kid. I never learned to like to play the piano. I never liked playing the piano. But oh, how wonderful it would have been to learn to dance. Yeah, to, to have the patience to teach uh, beginners can be rare among instructors who have been dancing for so long that they just, all they want to do is the advanced stuff. So to yeah. be able to still interface with the the that beginner's mind and remember what it was like and how it, it can be challenging to do something that you think is so easy. Yeah. Uh, what other what other um, tips would you give for people who want to teach beginners and might need to develop certain um, certain habits or, or traits to uh, to teach at that level? Learn to teach elements of the pattern. It isn't just a matter of what the thirty two counts are doing. If there's a sailor shuffle in it, pre-teach the sailor shuffle. Mm. Just pre-teach the sailor shuffle all by itself. Um, and make sure they know it's called a sailor shuffle. Mm. So that, and, and make sure they know it's going to be abbreviated sailor when it's being cued. Mm. And then when um, you can say, let's see, um, side rock recover sailor. That that's going to make sense. They know what a side rock recover means. Mm-hmm. Then they know what a sailor. So 
pre-teach the elements and teach them the words, teach them the lexicon of line dancing, mm-hmm. so that then in a future dance, when there's another sailor or there's another side rock recover, or a forward rock recover, any kind of rock recover, they know what that is, and they can build on those stepping stones. Um, another thing that's really helpful is to get them dancing quickly, not to choose a dance. And I err in this. I don't always know what they can do. You know, we don't know. Someone new comes in. They might be coming from a jazz dance background and be fine. Or they might be coming from, um, I was always told my body was ugly and it shouldn't be seen and it shouldn't, and I should just hide it. And of course I'm never going to dance. They might be coming from that. We don't know. So start with something that might be easier than they need and then admit to it. (laughs) I thought... Thought you need something this easy, clearly you don't. Mm. So let's put on the music, get this one over with, and go on to something more fun. Mm. Yeah, it sounds a lot better for them than, oh gosh, I thought you could handle this one, but this is too hard for you, I let's know. take it back. That's so hard, and yet I've been trapped in that too, and even now, you know, after all these years of experience, I still get trapped in that. Mm. I overestimate. Mm. No, what I do is I underestimate the difficulty of a dance sometimes mm. where I think oh this is simple hey a mambo is really hard if you're not used to the counting of a mambo mm-hmm. if you're not used to for example doing the hold mm-hmm. at the end of a mambo now how to do that um, a scissor is going to throw them every time so oh, I should have known that and I feel really embarrassed I feel and and so I'll often say, okay, wow, you did great on this one. Now, let's take a breather and do something simpler. Mm-hmm. And then we'll do our... Something like Cupid Shuffle. Or Nice Work is another one I like that's an easy dance. It's not very well known, but I love it. Mm-hmm. It goes to any fast song, pretty much, if it even counts. Um, even 32. And I have a few in my repertoire that I can always pull out. Mm-hmm. And um, so... <laughs> it's always a constant learning experience and I think that's important for instructors we don't know it all just because we can dance a really hard dance doesn't mean that we can teach an easy dance mm. ooh yeah uh, I spoke with Kat Painter in, in Vegas and she said that uh, you know that you really know a dance if you can do it slowly and if you can do it at its most basic, because anybody can do yeah. it, can do it really fast and just kind of gloss over the parts that they don't really get yeah. and make it look like they know what they're doing. But if you can, if you can take it back to its absolute fundamentals and nail all of those, yeah. then you really know the dance. Yeah, and that's something I hadn't thought about before. Another thing I think is important for teaching beginners is to be have a, a way that you can do split floors with intermediates so that mm-hmm. they. Um, they get the they get the experience of dancing while more advanced dancers are in the room, but also to have a way, and sometimes it means having some intermediates in the beginning class and saying, you know, come for warm up, mm-hmm. and they'll do that. Some just have, oh yeah, I'd rather do two hours than one, mm-hmm. yeah. um, or to to have um, a way that you can interrupt intermediates and say, hey do this beginning dance with all of us now because it's important they can feel a part of a bigger picture they can feel a part of the big deal ensemble Mm -hmm. where the big kids are dancing with them Mm -hmm. and not just that they're dancing here and the big kids are dancing there 
and and it's important to feel accepted. It's important to have humor in a class. I think. I mean, I really pity the people who've been with me for years. They hear the same jokes over and over again. Oh my goodness! But I don't know that many jokes, and I'm going to bring them out when I need them. <laughs> and when you think about you know, the line dance community, we do the same dances every week. So <laughs> yeah, we're, so we're you might as well just laugh. Just please laugh with me. Just humor me. Familiarity becomes me. comforting. I think. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned the, the community, the sense of community. I, I just listened to a podcast, or uh, I guess it would be a video blog by Elliot Marr recently where he, he talks about community. And I guess uh, at this point, a lot of people uh, are familiar with like how, how the line dance family sort of thing can form among dancers. But something yeah. I haven't really considered is among instructors. Do you feel like there's a community of instructors with whom you can compare notes and feel like there are beginner instructors and then there are the people who go internationally and do all the crazy arm movement dances and all that. Like, do you feel like you're part of something as an instructor? I don't feel there's that much of a network that I'm a part of. That doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Mm. Um, there are, I used to go to the conferences. I don't go to them anymore. Mm. Maybe I'll be able to when I have my new ankle working. But um, since I always had foot pain and the more I danced, the more it hurt. I finally got to the point, it didn't take really a long time to get to the point, where I said, you know, I can do two hours and limp out, or I can do more than two hours and be in pain for days. So I'm not going to the conferences anymore, because it's too frustrating to watch everybody dancing all evening and feel, I better not do that, because I won't be able to dance tomorrow if I do that. And it would... It would discouraged me to the point of really sending me out of the dance room in tears. And it was really demoralizing just to feel, oh my God, this, this, I'm doing my best with the body I have, with the things that have happened to it, but I just can't do that anymore. So I stopped going to the conferences, which was fine because somebody had to teach my classes <laughs> on a Friday night. It was all right. And yet I lost touch with my advanced dancers who are, I mean, I'm in the room with them when they're in class, but they practice together, they go to the conferences together, they are, they are the, each other's best friends now, and I'm sorry that I'm not a part of that, but I haven't felt like I could be, so I know that within that group, they do do networking, they do a lot with, with other instructors, and when they have visiting guest instructors, they're uh, doing social things with them. And I just have to say, okay, I'm 72 years old. I didn't admit that before. I'm 72 years old. Yeah, which is fine. And um, had the smashed foot and danced anyway. And I'm so proud of myself for being able to do all that. And I don't mind limping out of class if I'm able to dance. And hopefully uh, that will also be a, a thing of the past until the next thing happens. You know, our bodies are our bodies are delicate things. So when when you're learning to dance from say Brenda, or when Brenda's mm -hmm. learning to dance from you, uh, I guess dancers who only dance they probably have uh, whatever goes on in their head when they're learning. As an instructor, is there any way that you think about uh, the instruction that you're receiving differently? Uh, or that you imagine maybe she thinks about uh, that differently from you. Like, do you ever find yourself thinking like, oh, oh, that's a that's an interesting thing that she did. I should incorporate that. Like, do you ever? I have to give such a shout out to Brenda Chateau. Mm -hmm. 
Brenda is, I call her my queen. She is an extraordinary instructor, extraordinary dancer. I know when you when you did the podcast interview with her, she was saying what she appreciated from my class, and I have to tell you what I appreciate. Brenda, you are the most amazing creature in the line dance world. I adore you. I love how you teach. I love how you choreograph. I love your patience, your skill, your grace, your power. When I grow up, I want to be like you. All right, that's for Brenda. Whenever she teaches a dance, I am really awestruck with how how she teaches. And oh my gosh, that she gives me a little credit for having learned some of those skills from me. I go, oh wow, thank you, Brenda. But you don't have to say that because you are your own teacher. You instruct beautifully. If anyone who's listening to this gets a chance to learn from Brenda, definitely go. She's patient, but she keys in to what people are getting and what people aren't getting. And she does all the things that I was recommending, and especially not teaching to the fastest people who are getting it first, but um, repeating more and asking that's another thing I didn't talk about. Asking for questions. Mm. Um, what can I help you with leads to better than is there anything you don't get? You know, does everybody get that? It's about the worst thing you can say. I mean, who's going to say, well, actually, I don't. No, don't ask it that way. Yeah. No. What can I help you with? That will lead to an answer. Mm-hmm. And then someone, well, actually, could you do that party? I don't understand what that means. Or, What's a kick ball change? You know, whatever it is. And um, Brenda is just the consummate instructor because she anticipates what people are going to need help with. And she knows how to break things down. And if I could just learn to do a body roll like she does, I feel <laughs> I have arrived. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll need person- personal lessons from her. I was going to say, is there any place that teachers or prospective teachers can go to train to become teachers because a lot of people dance and they feel like I know these dances but then when they try to teach they don't have the glossary of terms in their head Mm -hmm. they say they rely on saying okay now it's right left right and then left right left but they don't call it by a a step name yeah Uh, they don't know how to do things like address everybody uh, for their individual need levels like where would people go I, I feel like there is a need for especially people at the beginner level to build that base because there are a lot of intermediate teachers there's definitely all the people on the circuit teaching advanced but if if you could uh, set somebody up in some small town like Cloverdale to become their beginner instructor to really get the scene started there where would you send them so that they could learn the style and and how to teach okay I would say find your favorite instructor go to that instructor the one who not only does the moves the coolest way but teaches the best and say to that instructor what can I do for you that would have you want to train me to teach the beginners the way the expert way you do if someone came to me and said that I would say fantastic I'm always needing a sub I mean Brenda subs for me when she can I have another person who once in a while can sub um but if but I'm sometimes away because I give speeches about my other topic, my senior sex topic, and so sometimes I'm gone for a week or week and a half or even three weeks at a time. So I need someone to fill in my class, and not Brenda can't always do it. 
I would say to that person, if you said that to me, I would say, Christopher, come take my classes. If you will sub for me when you're ready, I will train you, and I will do it by having you pay attention to what I'm doing in the beginner class. Don't just do the intermediate. And volunteer to teach the beginners an easy dance and accept my critique, both as you go, because I wanted to work for the students, and afterwards, privately, and then try it again and get to where we're both comfortable with your, your teaching, and then sub for me when I can't be there. And for people who don't have somebody like that that they can go to, if it were someplace like Cloverdale or like Ukai or somewhere where there's no, no established scene, there's no country bar, but they really want to make it happen... They want to get people to first find out that line dance exists yeah. and then inspire them to learn the dances. Uh, you go on YouTube and you see all the demo videos and you see people yeah. just doing the dances, but you don't see recorded classes. Where would they go? Instruction isn't something you can learn from YouTube. You have to mm -hmm. do it in a class. Mm -hmm. So they would need to commit to traveling, mm -hmm. to finding an instructor that they like who maybe is 50 miles away and it's just going to be the field trip that they take. Once sort of, or twice a week. Sort of like hiking up the mountain to see the, the wise right. man. That's in, right. Parks his wisdom. Yeah. Uh, because it's easy to demo a dance. It's hard to teach a dance. Hmm. And so many people think, well, if I can do a dance, then I can teach a dance. Hmm. It's not the same thing at all. Hmm. Are there... I'm just now remembering that I have all these questions in front of me. Oh, you had questions. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I talk when you give me the uh, <laughs> any kind of opportunity. I keep talking. What are uh, what are some qualities of a venue that you think really uh, add to the experience of, of line dance? Like, let's say you have uh, you know great instructor, but you know you got your sticky floor, you got your loud yeah. traffic. Like, what would make an ideal venue for you to really just lose yourself in line dance for three hours or however long? Clean wood floor, not sticky. Okay. Wood floor, definitely. A, da uh, a sprung-loaded dance floor would be best, mm -hmm. if that's possible. Um, that's why I like teaching in health clubs and in dance studios rather than in bars. They've mm -hmm. got the right floor. Plus, I think if people are sober, it works mm -hmm. a lot better. I I don't love the, you know, drink enough to get on the dance floor kind of thing. Mm -hmm. I love it when people are sober or are going to stay sober when they're, when they're learning. So I would prefer, but that's just me, to be in a venue that isn't, that, that, where people come to learn a dance. And, and they take it seriously as a dance class. Mm -hmm. That it's not just a social thing where they can talk while the instructor's talking. I really want it to be like, it, it's a class. Don't talk when the instructor's talking. Mm -hmm. um, and, and... If, other, if people are dancing and you want to have a conversation, go outside, outside the room. I mean, you don't have to go out in the cold, but go outside the room to talk. Uh, it, it, because sound carries and people are concentrating on the, on the song and they don't want to hear the chatter-chatter. Mm -hmm. It's different if they're going to a social event. And okay, the people are going to be talking. That's a whole different thing. But my ideal would be to, to teach a class that's treated like a class and where people come with a sense of humor, but also a serious attitude that they want to learn, mm -hmm. and that they delight in learning, and they want to be challenged, but they also want um, to help each other. They want a warm, comfortable feeling. I think Ellington, we do a really good job at Ellington with that, mm -hmm. where people sit, are, 
they embrace newcomers, not just figuratively, but literally. They'll put their arms around newcomers and say, I'm so happy you're here. Have you done this before? Oh, don't worry, you. she's a good teacher, you like it. I love overhearing that. So if, if um, let's say you wanted to start a line dance night at, uh, because a lot of people do associate these things with country bars, uh, but the, 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 the uh, owners, they think, oh, well, the dancers, all they drink is water. You know, that's not going to bring in anybody. <laughs> I've heard like, that, yeah. Like, how, how would you encourage a venue owner to, besides just, like, raising the cover to be, like, uh, like it would be at a dance class, mm-hmm. uh, what is it that could um, make that venue benefit from having line dance, uh, the line dance community uh, enter. My first thought is to start the classes at a time where people aren't coming in for the drinks, oh. and the venue isn't even been used. Mm-hmm. Like, let's say if people start rolling in around eight o'clock to start drinking and having a good time and dancing, so maybe start the lessons at six, mm. when no one's there, or at five when no one's there. And here, they've got the place anyway. They're already renting the place. It's not more cost to them. True. And any extra they bring in is going to be a benefit, even if the dancers only drink water. And I hear that, too. I think, well, who wants a line dance class? All they drink is water. Um, and I think that's funny, because that's all I drink is water. Uh, but yes, I mean, charge the dancers for the class. Pay the instructor decently. So the instructor really wants to do a good job and wants to be there, and, and, and we'll get people coming back. Mm. Have you ever been to a place where everything just kind of went wrong? Mean owners, <laughs> uh, mean patrons, like just things just didn't work out, like the absolute worst oh, experience God. possible? I'm thinking of one place. It was a bar. I'm not going to name it. Perfectly all right. And they had new ownership, and they wanted to have line dancing. It was dark. People couldn't really see very well. They didn't want to turn on the lights because they thought that it would ruin the ambiance. And they didn't like that I was teaching step-by-step the choreography before putting on the music. They said, just put on the music and lead them through it. And I said, no, that's not how line dancing is taught. And they said, well, people don't want to concentrate. So they want to have a good time, and nobody's buying drinks. And this lasted a very short time, a very short time. And so I left there pretty soon. It just was so, it was demoralizing, because I knew that was the wrong way to teach, and I didn't want to do it. And I refused to do it. (laughs) Uh, and so they, the owner didn't like me and was was happy, I think, to make me feel uncomfortable so that I would leave. Mm. So I left. Mm. Yeah. And then since I do parties, I've had... <laughs> I don't want to do myself out of a job with this interview, but I will. When people are already drunk at a party... Now, of course, you know, party's a party. And if they schedule me late, I know it's going to be a problem. I often say, schedule me before dinner. Mm. Schedule me first thing. Mm-hmm. As people are maybe an hour after people are arriving, uh, let's do that first. 
definitely not after dinner. But some of them say, no, no, and we can have the entertainment. You're part. You're the entertainment. We want you to teach at eight o'clock. And so they've been drinking since five. And I had one group where this seriously happened. People in a row. They're doing some semblance of what I'm teaching as they're laughing and they're holding their drinks. Now, try to say, at least put your drink down. No, I, got, I might need it. So <laughs> they're spilling it all over the, the floor. And one woman just drops down to the floor. The women on either side of her hoisted her up, propped her on her feet, and kept going. Wow. I know. That is shocking. <laughs> I know. So, mm, there's a special challenge to doing parties. Mm -hmm. Uh Uh-huh. Now, I will say many parties go absolutely wonderfully and people appreciate it and I love it. Mm -hmm. But once in a while, you're asking what bad experiences have been, the woman dropping to the floor, that was a bad one. I I imagine so. Uh, We're going to take a very brief break. One one moment. (laughs) And we are back. All right. Uh, so speaking of bad habits that uh, that would be great to you know, have reversed, um, are there are there any any things that um, you would say are very important for dancers to avoid as they're starting out? The drinks are probably one of them. It yeah. gives you too much of a, a crutch. Uh, what else? What else should people avoid, and what good habits can they pick up so that they can be dancing uh, happily and safely for their entire lives? Oh, that's good. If anything hurts, because we have, we have bodies with things that have happened to. We all have injuries. We have different conditions. We have fragilities. We have aches and pains. If something doesn't feel right, please don't do it. I tell people, signal me if you need a modification. I can think of them, I mean, from years of teaching aerobics. I know modification for just about anything you can be doing. So if this particular thing hurts your knee, sometimes I can spot why. Might be, oh, well that's because you're turning your knee before you turn your foot. Mm. Turn the um, toes, knees, and nose go at the same time. Mm. Okay? <laughs> Don't go nose, knee, toes. Mm. Or toes, anyway. Make it all go as a unit. Right. Make that turn happen from the torso. Mm -hmm. Dancing happens from the torso. So, ah, I sort of got off on a tangent here, but if something hurts, first give the instructor a chance to identify what could be fixed Mm -hmm. or what can be altered if that move just is no good. Mm -hmm. And I've had things where, let's say we have a toe-in, heel-in, kick-kick or something. Um, so toe, heel, double kick. Well, maybe that turning isn't good for a, a particular hip. Mm. So, okay, heel, heel, kick, kick. Mm. There are things you can do to the same rhythm, mm-hmm. using the same body parts, mostly, that are going to look similar to what everybody else is doing mm-hmm. and won't hurt you. So if something hurts, let me know, let me help, and let me give you something to do instead. Mm. And I love that people will do that. I mean, they need proof that I mean it. <laughs> and I watch for winces. A good instructor has to watch for winces in the class. Like, There's something wrong. What's going on? Is that hurt? What's bothering you? Uh, oh, or, or someone grabs a knee or mm-hmm. holds a shoulder or, or 
you know, whatever it is. Clutches their chest. I, yeah, <laughs> yeah six to the floor, right? Yeah. Uh, but people will often signal without even meaning to signal that something's going on. We have to be watching for that. Or sometimes I'll just anticipate it. I know that this move is not good for some hips, so think of doing it this way. Try. Sometimes I'll teach everyone to do the modification first. And then, especially if something has a lot of turns in it, what I call a turny dance, mm -hmm. uh, I will teach it without the turns first. Mm -hmm. And then say, if you love to turn, do this instead. Mm -hmm. And I'll teach them that. I, let's say we have a rock recover, triple half turn, rock recover, triple half turn. Mm -hmm. Someone is not going to do well with the turn. Rock recover, triple turn, rock re uh, triple no turn. Rock recover, triple rock recover, triple mm -hmm. can be the substitute. So teach everybody that substitute. Mm -hmm. Say people like to turn. Here's your option. And then I'll show them how to do that. But if I have people who shouldn't be doing that, mm -hmm. I'll go back then to modeling the non-turning way and let the turners be on their own. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good. It kind of normalizes the more basic yeah, version rather yeah. than make them look like uh, right. Oh, I have to do something. Of... And often they're they're often following and they're not aware when the turn's coming up and they don't really remember, and so they'll just automatically start to do it and then get lost or or not feel right. Doesn't feel good. But if I'm modeling the easier way to do it, then they just have to watch that. Are there any bad habits that were difficult for you to kick? With, with dance? <laughs> I've got a lot of bad habits. Um, bad habits, it was hard for me to kick with dance. Uh, well, having dealt with this immobile ankle for 36 years, I don't know whether I'd call it a bad habit because it isn't something I could control, but I would sometimes say, point your foot, and then I'd see everybody doing something that wasn't pointing a foot. And I go, oh, oh, right, because my foot doesn't point. So they're all thinking that point a foot means something that isn't pointing a foot. So, oh, no, 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 I'm sorry, I forgot to tell you that. My right foot doesn't point. So who's got a right foot that point? Okay, follow her, <laughs> follow Barbara's right foot. That is a pointing foot. And then we laugh about it, and they know I'm not embarrassed about it. But... I do, if I have new people, I don't think just say every time, by the way, do what I say, not what I do. Um. <laughs> so there's something, you mentioned you not being embarrassed, and, uh, and it makes me yeah. think of uh, the the bravery I'm sure it must have taken to get into the, uh, to writing the content that you, that you write, when it, it doesn't seem like... Um, there is that much about it uh, in, in your niche. Yeah. Uh, where did you Where did you get the gumption to just be like, you know what, I'm going to do this? Because it kind of reflects in the way that you teach as well. You know? Thank You're you. just kind of out there. Yeah, I am out there. <laughs> it, it's funny. It's precisely because people weren't talking about it, weren't writing about it. When I started, which was 10 years ago, mm. oh, 11 years ago now. Mm. Oh, my gosh, 11 years ago, 2005. Mm was when I started writing about senior sex. Mm -hmm. And it was so interesting the way it happened. Um, you want the long story, not the short no, story? No, please right? okay. <laughs> here's, the, here's the long story. I had been earning my living then for quite some time as a health and fitness writer. I had written an article for the San Francisco Chronicle magazine 
about fitness buffs who did unusual kinds of fitness. I, I profiled five people who did something that wasn't what you ordinarily think of as what people do at the gym. And they and this was a major feature for January 1st, you know, because everybody makes New Year's resolutions. Mm -hmm. I got a call from an editor at a publishing house, and she said, I read your piece on Fitness Bus. I love your voice, which is writers speak for your style, the way you come across, what it, um, the kind of narration you do. It's a little more than just tone and, and style, but it encompasses that. Love your voice. We don't publish fitness. Is there anything else you have been longing to write that you're passionate about that you might want to do a book on with us? And I said, yeah, older age sexuality. And I said that because I had been with Robert, let's see how long, I was three years. And we were having the most beautiful, loving, and sexy relationship you can imagine. And I met him when I was 57, and he was 64. So then at this point, I was 60, and he was 67, and it just got better and better. And I said, I can't find anything on this subject. Hmm. And at that time, there really was nothing. And there was doom and gloom. Hmm. There was just, eh, you dry up, wither away, and give it up. Hmm. Or nobody wants to know about it, shut up kind of thing. And I said, I'm going to do a book that is celebrating older age sexuality. And she said, how fast can you write a proposal? Ooh. I know. The thing was approved within a week. I mean, it was just the fastest boom, boom. And there I was ready to write my first senior sex book. Hmm. And then that led to my second, third, <laughs> fourth. Yeah, I think I'm done with the books now. I'm still writing articles a lot. Mm -hmm. I have a, um, a gig with a Q&A column on seniorplanet.org, and that's a lot of fun. Once a month I answer a reader question, and I love doing that because I love helping people. You know that about me. That's why I teach dance. It's why I talk about senior sex. <laughs> so all of that just fits together with who I am. And as far as being brave... As soon as I realized that some people wanted to shut me down talking about this topic, because some people did, they went, ew, that's disgusting. Like, they have to read it, too. And one review of my first book in a magazine said, now that boomers have discovered their sex after 60, could they please shut up about it? Oh. And I went, ha! So why you need to tell me? No. <laughs> so I get courageous when people tell me to not do something. <laughs> I guess I've always been a bit of a rebel. I was that way teaching high school too. My students will confirm. When I started line dancing, I I, I really got the the hooks in when when I started feeling the the hips. Yeah. of dances in ways that I hadn't felt before and I was told to tone it down a little bit by oh, no. by the uh, the person who, who brought me in in the first place and that just kind of made me want to go without her there so then yeah, yeah like I, I, I discovered that like the movement of, of skin and jeans and like you know it, it's not yeah. like it's not the masculine thing it's not the macho thing you just kick up dust you know you oh. stomp in the mud that's what you do like I it's not. It's not how I was raised. I was raised to just kind of do whatever you, you know, felt like doing. But like at a country bar, it, it's it was less uh, less the image. But uh, I, I think 
maybe that that's why she was saying that the toning was like you, we, I don't want you to get make fun of you know just because you are doing this thing that's good for you but like uh, let's see how it fits in Ooh, with everyone else I would be so against that I would say Christopher I love your style do what you do feel good in your body we love men who dance yeah, that, I, I I try to share it with as many uh, you know the people in my life as I can. Yeah. It's one of those things where you don't believe that you're going to like it as much as you do until you yeah. do it, and especially yeah. with the guys. Yeah. Like, guys who've never done anything like that before, they feel uncoordinated, yeah. they're looking at their feet, but then once they get into it, they've got like this, yeah, like, I can do this, and it's like yeah. they didn't have that before line dance. Yeah. Uniquely line dance. One thing I learned teaching aerobics... Um, this is very interesting to me because I never thought about it, is that, and maybe this is changing a little bit these days, I don't know whether it is, that girls grow up doing dance that has opposition leg and arm movements, mm. whereas boys who grow up doing sports, it's same arm, same leg. Interesting. When you're, I mean, I don't play sports, so I don't even know what example to give, but the leg moves forward, the ball gets thrown with the same arm. Uh, and so it's very difficult if they're in dance class if that opposition is the norm. Mm. Yeah. And so one of the things to do with new guys in the class is not to have any of that stuff. Mm. To make sure that it is not simplified to the point that they can't roll their hips if they want to, but not to have things that they would perceive as maybe girly at first that just don't feel right to their bodies because they've never done it. Mm. But golly, once guys let their hips come out and play, it is so sexy and beautiful. So it's fun too. <laughs> enjoy that skin and jeans feeling. I like it. Let's see if we can jump into some of these cards that have been burning a hole in my hand here. Let's see. All right, so we got habits. Awesome. Oh, what is something that you've changed your mind about over time regarding uh, line dance? Like, for example, people who thought. Oh, line dance, that's just a, it's all country music. That's all, it's all, all line dancing is it's country line dancing. Uh, that's one of the things that I used to think because I knew so little about mm. it. And then I found out it's, it's all these other things too. And you do contemporary. So yeah. what are some things that you've changed your mind about in line dance over time? I always preferred the contemporary. I mean, I like a lot of the country line dances, but I especially like the variety of music with contemporary that it can be all sorts of music. It can be contemporary pop music. It can be old-time rock and roll. It can be blues. It can be Latin. Uh, there's so much variety. Broadway is so much variety. And I like the variety. And I do like the country, too. But I like, uh, I like a mix. And so that's what I teach. And I always did that. I think the first dances I learned were country western. Because that's what, that's what we thought of as line dancing. But pretty quickly, I subscribed to Line Dancer Magazine from the UK. Mm. This was, again, I have to say, before YouTube, before the internet, before uh, Copper Knob. I mean, maybe the internet was there, but it wasn't the way you learned line dancing at that time. But there was Line Dancer Magazine from the UK. I subscribed to the print version. It came by snail mail Mm. across the pond. And they featured about a dozen dances each month from major choreographers or who became major choreographers because they were in Line Dancer magazine. Mm -hmm. So the instructors would get this magazine and go, oh, wow, I'm going to teach this and I'm going to teach this. And then that's how 
people started doing the same dances and how some choreographers got famous. Mm -hmm. Then when they started being able, we started being able to video record, then the whole world opened up to us where we could put things on YouTube, we could see a dance dance by the choreographer, mm -hmm. we could get the step sheet written by the choreographer, and we could all be teaching the same thing. We could have a number one dance all over the world. Mm -hmm. We could have everybody dancing chill factor. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. I mean, this was thrilling. Everybody dancing dizzy. It didn't even have to be as hard as chill factor. Mm -hmm. And I loved teaching a dance to my classes where I could say, everybody, everywhere in line dance classes around the world, dance in a stance. You can go anywhere. You can go to France and dance it. You can go to Switzerland and dance it. You can go to China and dance it. Mm -hmm. And I loved that. And I just felt partial to the contemporary dances over the country western as I started learning from these other major choreographers. Mm -hmm. um, something like Evergreen, done to a beautiful nightclub two-step, just made me feel the music in a way that many of the country dances just didn't. Mm -hmm. So I loved doing that. And then I found that I was also getting people coming into the class who said... I don't know if I'll like this, I don't really like country music. So, okay, we want to country music tonight. We don't, mm -hmm. Wait till you see what this is. Mm -hmm. And so it, it just worked well for me. So I didn't really have to unlearn anything. It just was an expansion. In the very first conference I went to, they did all concert music. So it was, uh, that was easy. That part was easy. Mm -hmm. Was there anything else that you've, any other ideas about uh, what kind of moves are appropriate for line dance or anything, anything else you changed your mind about where you, you held it steadfastly and then, and then it all flipped <laughs> uh, on I mean, I've always been partial to hip bumps. Uh, <laughs> dance that has hip bumps catches my attention. I don't think so. I don't think it was mainly, I, I've, I've been open to learning so much about it. Mm -hmm that I don't feel I've had to unlearn anything. I think for myself, the main thing I had to unlearn is the necessity to take on the most advanced dances. Mm. There are plenty of dances, say, that Brenda brings to us, and either because they're what I call right foot intensive, they do too much on the right foot and it hurts, or there's, a, um, a say, a, a spin on the right foot, which I couldn't do at all. I couldn't put my weight on the right foot entirely. Uh, or just something doesn't didn't feel right to me, I would have to learn to give myself permission to say, you know what, I'll just DJ for this one. I'm not going to dance this one, so I'm sorry it doesn't work for me, but I'm not going to convince you not to do it. Of course, yay! Thank you for teaching this dance that everybody loves, mm -hmm. and I'll just DJ it. Mm. There's a role for everybody. Right? Yeah. Alright, what are you obsessed with in or outside of the line dance world? <laughs> Okay, well, inside or out, I'm, I'm not so obsessed with line dancing now as I used to be. I, when Robert was with me, it, we would talk about it all the time. We would go home talking about it. We'd wake up talking about it. It was just line dancing uh, was the most frequently uttered word, more than love, I think, for much of our relationship. <laughs> because we were both so into it and so into making it work for other people. Now, line dancing is a, definitely a major part of what keeps me going. I love it. I would never want to give it up. But what I, I love learning new things. And what I'm learning in my day job and my senior sex 
um, research and how I'm sharing with people and what they need to know and what's going on with them and what's preventing them from having um, satisfying sexuality or sexual expression. This is, I think, for me, just the most... It's what I'm most passionate about because people come to me for this that they don't come to other people for. They don't know other people to go to. I get emails. I get people walking up to me who know who I am, but I don't know them. And they will whisper things in my ear. I have to tell you the story of my... 50th high school class reunion. It was in Ithaca, New York. I hadn't been back to Ithaca in so many years. I didn't keep touch with any of these people. I was seeing them for the first time in 50 years. And I had asked to be put on the schedule. I said, let me, let me give a little talk about senior sex because we're all the same age. And so at that time I was... Hmm, 68, I think. I went to the class reunion. I gave my talk at a packed room. I had people in the hall who didn't want to be seen in the room, but were listening in the hall. And at the end, I said, let me hear your questions. I always had questions. Always. I'd never, ever not had questions. I had no questions. And I said, okay, I know what's going on. We have not been together since we were Randy 18-year-olds 50 years ago. Mm -hmm. Things have changed. We are not about to start asking questions about erectile dysfunction or lack of lubrication or vaginal pain. But I'll tell you, I'll be here all weekend. And if you have a question, just tap me on the shoulder and ask for a consultation in the corner. Guess what I was doing all weekend? Consultations in the corner? That's what I was doing. (laughs) Joan? Um... Did I have a consultation in the corner? And I felt so good about it, because of course they had questions, but they were private questions. And that really taught me that I have to make, when I give a speech or whatever I do, a workshop, I have to make room for people to have the private questions, Mm -hmm. that they're not necessarily going to admit it in front of everybody. But if I can make space for them to find me afterwards and have a private corner, mm-hmm. then I'll get the real questions. Yeah, especially when that you know cute cheerleader that you remember from 50 years ago is <laughs> standing right next to you and you don't want to like show any weakness or I vulnerability know. or yeah. make yourself look bad. Or if you the don't cute know cheerleader something. has a question. Same thing. Yeah, it goes yeah. both ways. Yep. I know. Oh, we, we covered this a little bit, but uh, what are the top three character traits that an effective instructor must possess? Like beyond just uh, you know habits and methods, what character traits make them uh, well-suited to be instructors? Warm, observant. I only have one more. Warm, observant. Um, Able to think on their feet. Hmm. Those sound about right. Yeah. Because you can plan and plan and plan. You don't know who's going to come in that night. You have no idea what they're going to need. And they may not know either until you can tell or they ask you or maybe you miss it the first time and you go, I'll bet that would help. Mm-hmm. We're going to take a quick pause here. One moment. This is so much fun.
And we're back. And we're back. And we're back. Oh, uh, what methods should people use to more quickly and accurately pick up line dances on the spot or over the course of one song? If they don't have the time to, uh, or the budget to do an actual full lesson, is there anything, uh, in addition to, say, counting along, uh, that, that you think would help them get it more or less by the end of the song? <laughs> I'd love to encourage them to just take the lessons. Hmm. But, okay, given that they're trying to just pick it up on the spot, uh, be in the middle so that there's always someone around the outside to watch. Um, count, if not out loud, to yourself so you know the rhythm that you're learning. And what I do when I'm learning a dance is I try to anticipate how the instructor's going to cue what's coming next. That tells me whether I've learned it. So if the instructor is cueing, um, oh, what? Um, walk, walk, kickball, change, rock, recover, triple, half, turn. I'm in my mind as we go doing that to a different wall. I'm trying to say it with the instructor to myself. If they're at a country bar and there is no instructor, how would I would say you're not going to pick it up. Okay. You're not gonna, I'm, I mean, I'm sort of a purist about learning a dance and not just getting in there and doing it if you don't know it. Uh, and, and people may not like this, but I think it impedes the other dancers around them if people do that. Because first of all, when they're doing more intermediate dances, there is a lot of going backwards and spinning. And if you can't count on the person behind you to be moving out of the way the same time you're coming towards them, this could be a problem. And so I find that it really impedes the people who are trying to dance full out. They feel they can't because they have to make, you know, there's someone who doesn't know the dance here who's just really getting in the way. So take the lessons. All right, well, this kind of leads into a, just sort of a general question I have about uh, sort of the future of line dance, where let's say there are a hundred different dances that are done at some venue, yeah. and the instructor's only there for like one or two nights a week and they teach you know whichever dances they teach and if you miss that they might not get back to that dance until the following year um, uh, so what what would you um, what would you as far as like m maybe increasing the demand for line dance instruction or maybe like building up the scene in the future uh, maybe maybe a venue wouldn't think it's worth it to have more lessons than just those two a week uh, what would you think would really spark up line dance again to the point where there's, you know, a lesson every night or two lessons every night or lessons over the course of the night? Well, I think a couple of things I think are important to get more people out dancing. Mm -hmm. And one is that if you're, if it's just once a week, when you come back the next time, review the dance that was done the night, the time before. Mm -hmm. Because even the people who are there are not going to remember it. Mm -hmm. So they're not going to be able to just get up and dance it when the music's on either. So review it, and then if the instructor is willing to make him or herself available, um, say to the DJ, about three songs before you do Tush Push, um, give me a signal and announce that I'll be reviewing it over on the side. Smart. And so, uh, or in a back room, if there happens to be a back room, that would be ideal. We're going to go in the side room. We're going to, anyone who needs a review of Tush Push, join me here. And then you come out, and you're ready to dance it when the, when the DJ puts it on. So that kind of thing, I think, will get more people to go, oh, I can remember dances one week to the next if I just have a little extra help. 
Now that you mention it, I think Monroe Hall does something like yeah, that. Where that's right. Before, before they put it on, they say, oh, here's a quick review. We're yeah. not teaching it. If you didn't yeah. learn it earlier, you know, mm-hmm. don't, don't bother. But yeah. like, we'll, do, we'll do a quick review in the side room. Right. I used to teach there, and I, was, I, I did that. Yeah. And now they do it without me, so that's okay. Yeah, I haven't been back there in a little while. It's a yeah. very nice venue as far as oh, like, it's, it's got the dance hall. floor. They yeah. take the they take it serious as far as drinks. You know, no yeah. drinks on the dance floor, not even water from right. what I've seen, and no alcohol there at all. Right. Yeah. The the dance selection there is a little different from where I've seen you know dances done elsewhere in the county. And that's a whole set of questions I'm sure I'd have for them. Like, how did that branch off so they do those dances when everybody else does these other dances? Yeah. But I guess I'll save that for a, a, a chat with them. Uh, what? Oh well. <laughs> I'm sure you, you've answered this in, in many ways already. What what have you learned that, if shared, could change people's lives or the way they think about things? Oh, you are never too old to learn. You are never too old to enrich your life. You are never too old to dance. I like all of those. They all seem very true. Yeah. Because we feel like... I mean, you're very young, so you haven't had the experience, but speaking <laughs> as a 72-year-old... So many people feel, well, I never had dance lessons as a child, or I didn't dance when I was young and cute, and no one will dance with me now. And, and they think they've aged out of so many pleasures of life. You don't age out of any pleasure of life unless you put that on yourself. Yeah, because yeah, ultimately you choose what you do yeah. with your day and your right. time. Right, right. And just don't worry about, oh, but what are people going to think? They're going to think, oh, good. Good, you're dancing. Welcome. Mm-hmm. We love it here. Hope you do, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and very often they're just kind of worrying about themselves anyway. Yeah, as you exactly. Earlier. Yeah. Okay. Nobody's looking at you in the mirror. They're all looking at themselves or at me. Mm-hmm. How can we in the line dance community help you perform your current or ideal role within also the line dance community? Is there anything we can do? Since you're an instructor, is there anything we can do as your learners that will help you to do your perform your role uh, more easily? Support our classes. Mm. I mean, that seems obvious, but it's a serious request. There are times, maybe I shouldn't be admitting this, but I'm going to. There have been times at Ellington Hall where I did not make enough overpaying rent to give myself anything. Mm. And so, if you want the class to be there the next time you want to go, go more often. Make it a habit. Vote with your feet. When there's an instructor you like, vote with your feet. Be there. There are plenty of things that you could do with that money that wouldn't bring you anywhere near as much joy as line dancing. And so instead of saying, oh, but it's not expensive. Oh, where can you spend $15, $18, $20 even, and get the kind of quality you get from a line dance class? Where can you go? You spend, you go to a movie that you're going to forget instantly, you fill yourself with bad popcorn, you buy some candy bars you could get at the grocery store for a quarter of that price. You spend more there, <laughs> and then it's instantly gone. And all you think of later is, oh, that was crap. That wasn't worth my time. And I've got a stomachache. Instead, come on, dance. It's wonderful for your body. It's wonderful for your brain. It's wonderful for your social activity. It's, it, it will give you uh, 
you sleep better. I mean, there's so many good reasons to line dance. And I can't think of a one not to. Yeah. Yeah, I can't, I, can't I, I don't remember anybody ever saying to me, man, I really regret learning to line dance. If I, if I hadn't oh. learned, if I, if I hadn't just sat out of that class, my life would be so much better. You're right. I've never heard that either. I've never heard that. Now, I've heard people say, well, that instructor wasn't my piece of cake. But, okay, try another instructor. It doesn't mean you give up on the whole genre. Mm -hmm. There's always another song you could play to that same dance if you don't like the songs. There's so much flexibility in it. And you know what? The instructor is just another human being in the room. I don't know about you, but I would welcome it if someone came up to me and said, I don't know, your method of teaching is too slow for me, too this for that, too this for that. I want a teacher who doesn't make jokes. I want someone who just gets down to business. I don't want to have to count. Whatever it is. Can you point me in the the direction of another instructor? I'll do my best. And I think you could say that to anyone. I mean, maybe don't enumerate all the things you don't like about the class. But say what you're looking for, not what you're looking to get away from. If someone said, I'd like to find an instructor who goes faster, um, who doesn't... uh, spend so much time repeating walls. I feel like I'm, I could learn faster. I've done jazzercise for 15 years. Where can I get a faster-paced class? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll, I'll, yeah, just come to the next hour of this class instead of this one. Mm-hmm. You'll be fine. In addition to Brenda Chateau, who else would you say name drop to send people out to get give them an idea of who else is out there? Because in Sonoma County, it seems pretty sparse uh, from well, what I know. Well, the go- a good thing to do would be to go to the Wine Country Socials, mm. which are once a month on a Sunday. Mm-hmm. They're all day, or most of the day. They go from uh, about 9 or 10 in the morning until mid-afternoon. And um, Brenda teaches there, but you also find a lot of other instructors from the Greater Bay Area who come and other students who come. And you can get, you can find out who else? You can say here. I live here. Where do I go for more line dancing? Oh, you try her. Talk to her over there. Get her schedule over there. Mm-hmm. Um, have you have you tried this in San Francisco? Mm-hmm. And you get all that. Mm-hmm. Also, anytime there's a chance with a visiting celebrity instructor, if Niels Polson comes to town again, or Scott Blevins, or John Robinson, John Robinson yeah. uh, go to that. And you'll see why these people are celebrity instructors. Yeah, their dances are going to be harder. So if you're a newish dancer, you get a little bit. You won't get a lot, but you get the feeling. You'll even you'll get the electrifying personality of these people who live line dancing mm-hmm. and who draw their charisma as well as their great choreography. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, oh. When do you find yourself losing track of time, including activities beyond dance? Like right now? Well, yeah, I guess so, yeah. When do you just feel like you're in the flow of things and and you just forget that anything else exists? Anytime you ask me to to talk. Okay. Anytime you put a microphone in front of my face. Um, Yeah, I, being a former teacher and all, and a public speaker, Mm -hmm. uh, I know how to go on for an hour or so, so... Uh, just stop me when you need me to stop. I, I do lose track. I do lose track. Oh, no, that's an actual question. That's on <laughs> it's a real, yeah, fortunately, there are clocks in the room. Otherwise, I would... And sometimes the clock is, is stopped. It's not working for some reason. 
And so I'll say, oh, good, we can go for four hours and no one will know it. And people start looking at the door like, oh, let me get near the door right now. <laughs> and they start checking their own watches or pull out their phones and set their alarms. You know? I've got questions for days. Like that. That's right. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm here for the long haul here. Okay, well, yeah, some people, they say, like, oh, when I cook, you know, I can just, I smell everything, I'm cooking everything, and then, like, you know, hours have passed, and I've got all these trays of brownies, and I don't know who's going to eat them. <laughs> God, invite me to your house. Oh, that is not me. I, I'm, I'm very much a fan of the microwave myself. Occasionally, I'll scramble some eggs. <laughs> Try not to burn the toast. Uh, what is an ideal number of dancers and size of floor for you when you're doing your favorite dances? Because I, I know that ah. there are some where it feels like eight is a good number to do a really mm-hmm. advanced dance and nobody's bumping into the walls. But then, like, as you said, at the big events, like, you see all these people doing these dances. And, and sometimes you just kind of want to watch because it's, like, hundreds of people. I know. And it doesn't even feel like you're really doing it with anyone when they're that many. Like, then some people, you know, you don't want to be one of two people on the floor because then it's, like, too much spotlight. So what's perfect for you? It really depends on the size of the floor and whether there are mirrors around. Mm. Uh, that makes a difference. If there are mirrors, it, it can we can handle more people because we can see see better what's going on. Uh, if if it's the instructor is somewhere a half mile away, uh, up on a platform that I can't see because I'm the shortest person in the room. Hello, uh, and then that's that for me is less satisfying than if I can get up close and personal with the instructor. Or if there are mirrors, or if there's a way, even screens, where I can see the person. Um, I love teaching, in the venues where I teach, at, at Coach's Corner, 20 is fantastic. Um, we've, we've actually had 30 and 33 in that room, and it's tough. But we've also had, say, a class of 12, and it feels a little... Um, like people are going, oh, is there somewhere else I was supposed to be instead of here tonight? Or in a beginner class, if there are two, they go, what, what don't I know about why I'm not supposed to be here? So it depends. Um, in a beginner class, uh, it's good to have enough people that there are wall leaders and that the newcomers can be surrounded by experienced people. That's, that's so important for the learning. It's really helpful. For intermediate advanced classes, it isn't just important. They'll be happy whether it's 6 or 16. But it depends on the size of the floor, too, because at Ellington, if we have a dozen, it feels like a big class. And if we have 20, 22, which has happened at times, it feels too crowded and people feel bunched. I'm happy because, oh boy, I get paid tonight. (laughs) But still, that is a little much unless we're doing a dance that accommodates that. And that's another part of being a a teacher is you plan this particular dance that travels a lot. You have to be prepared to abandon that dance if a lot of people show up that night. Because you can't travel if you've got a row of six in there almost to the walls. With all the line dances that are out there, how do you choose which ones you bring in? Is it just looking Mm. at the copper knob top ten, or is it uh, word of mouth? I um, some of it's word of mouth. If I hear that that a dance is um, is exciting people, then I'll look it up. I'll look up the video, and then if it excites me, I'll download the step sheet, and then I'll walk through it. I'll sort of pick my way through it, and if it still excites me, I will learn it and I'll teach it. And it doesn't matter whether it's in the top ten. It matters maybe more to my intermediates 
that they want to learn the dances that they well at Coach's Corner they want to learn the dances that people are dancing at the other venues mm-hmm. um, at Ellington that doesn't matter because most of the people there don't go to the other venues they're just happy that they're I've chosen dances that they will like mm-hmm. I'll also I'm will I love um, dances that go to old time rock and roll or particularly remixes of them because those are better they're often the better sound quality and they're um, they're they sometimes have tweaks of them that make them more danceable because at the time we were maybe doing the Lindy Hop to them we weren't uh, or the, the Jitterbug we weren't uh, thinking about line dancing it didn't matter if it was phrased to 32 it didn't matter if there was suddenly a long drawn out wah 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 and we go, oh no, we have to put a tag on the wah 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 wah. Whereas a remix may not have that wah 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 extra stuff. Oh, like the bomb. Yeah, exactly like the bomb. Exactly. Or even dizzy, where the the original is uh-huh. kind of slow. I'm so dizzy. Yes. And then, it, and then exactly, key. exactly. Once it, it's remixed specifically for dance, mm-hmm. then oh, yeah, I'll take that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I love those but I, if I only did that I would only get people of my age who remember the same song so I don't do that and I like to I like a lot of the contemporary pop too some of it I don't like some of it I just go okay I'm just going to grit my teeth and get through this because people like this somehow for some reason other times I go I love this song mm-hmm. you love this song Joe? yeah I really do what? <laughs> yeah, like when you taught uh, One Act My Age to yes. One Direction to Act My Age. It wasn't until afterward that I found out that was One Direction. That was One Direction. Yes, yeah. I love that song. Yeah. yeah. yeah it's so peppy. And yeah. It's like, yeah. I don't care who, who writes it, you know. I'll, I'll, I'll change my thoughts about what I think about them if I like the song enough. Right. And I liked, I liked so much the theme of the song. Because mm-hmm. I guess I don't act my age. I don't know what some of my age is supposed to act like, but I don't think it's like what I do. Same here. Sometimes I see, you know, <laughs> late twenties, early thirties people, and they're thinking about their mortgages and their hairlines yeah. and their kids and all. Oh, the boss is really on my back again. I'm like, well, I do Man. wonder what's going on under your hat. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I'm just like I'm, I'm out there dancing. I, I don't have a lot of those concerns, so yeah. uh, I just kind of sometimes I feel like I'm still just barely twenty one. Well, you know, my attitude towards age, whether it's your age or my age, is if not now, when? Mm. When do we do the things we really want to do, if not now? Mm-hmm. And so I say that to people all the time. I say that in my speeches. If not now, when? Mm-hmm. Very positive thought. Yeah. Really, carp- carpe's the diem. Exactly. Let's carpe that diem. Oh, and well, this per- ties in perfectly. What do you believe above all to be true? And what has caused you to believe that? What do you, where do you see examples or evidence of this truth in the world? Well, what truth are we talking about here? Just anything that you think is just completely true. Like, uh, one of those things that uh, you would want to pass down to your grandkids and great-grandkids. Okay. Because it's always going to be that way. We are all dancers. Mm. We are all dancers. It's not whether we've had training. Many of us have had impediments to our development as dancers. Mm. There are things that have happened. Things that have happened to our bodies, to our self-esteem to our vision of ourselves, to our lives, to our relation in our relationships. A lot of people have a lot of reasons that they think they can't dance. If they can just for an hour suspend that and say, what if, what if I were a dancer? How would I, how would I behave? 
I would take that class. Mm -hmm. Just for an hour. Let me see what if I were a dancer. Because we all are. Our bodies are made to move. We have musculature designed for all sorts of dancing movements. Otherwise, our hips wouldn't move independently of our, uh, of our shoulders and so on. Mm -hmm. We wouldn't have any reason to do that. But we do have a reason to do that. And it's not, I don't know, lifting boxes. <laughs> click, 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 type, type, Exactly, type. Yeah. we're typing. There's so much more than that. There's so much more than that, so much more than typing. Mm -hmm. So let's all practice what if we were a dancer hmm. and get out and dance. I like that. Oh, and here's another sort of related statement. Uh, well, yeah, validate and give examples supporting the statement, if you can line dance, you can do anything. <laughs> can line dance, you can do anything. <laughs> well, <laughs> but instead of answering that directly, I want to tell you what happened when I, my first meeting with the surgeon that decided that, I, yes, I was eligible for total ankle replacement. He, this is someone who is at the top of this field. He does this total ankle replacement all day. That's all he does. He picks and chooses the patients by the outcome he predicts. Mm -hmm. you know, he doesn't want to take someone who is not going to, say, do the physical therapy and, and be able to really use that ankle or whatever other things he uses to choose. Mm -hmm. So I had worked my way through this triage of getting step to step to step to getting to an interview with him. Mm -hmm. Finally had the interview with him in San Francisco. I get into his office. He's staring at his computer and on his screen is an x-ray of my ankle. He turns to me and he says, you dance on that? And I said, I do. He said, how? Look at it. I said, I don't have to, I'm wearing it. And he says, if you can dance on that, we're giving you a new ankle. So, <laughs> If you could dance on a smashed ankle or whatever it is that you're dealing with, if you can dance on that, you can do whatever it is you want to do. We only have the limitations we put on ourselves. Mm -hmm. So much of what we can't do is just what we can't do here. If we can just pull that out, throw it away, and then say, what if I could do that? What would it look like? What would it feel like? What would I act like? Let me try it. I like that example too. That's that's pretty hardcore. It is. <laughs> I've never. I, I've I've had like oh I don't know my pinky toe is feeling kind of pinched tonight. Yeah. Uh, but like smashed ankle is a whole nother level. Imagine if your whole foot felt like a block of wood with nerve endings on the outside, mm. being ironed down with hot iron with brambles on top of it. There. That's what I was dancing on. And you still danced? Yep. Wow. Because it hurt if I danced or didn't dance. Oh, that's a good point. So I might as well lose myself and dance at least for minutes at a time. Yeah, release those endorphins. Yeah. And the hot brambles ironed down, that didn't usually happen until afterwards. Once I got home, then I'd put the foot up and let the hot brambles calm down. Yeah. Okay. Oh, and I guess this is, since that's I'm sure something you would hope nobody ever has to deal with. Is this in the picture? Is this... Oh, yeah, I think we've got the... In the picture here? Okay. Um, yep, we what, 
What have you experienced that you do wish everybody could experience as well? Not being so afraid of what other people are going to think if you do your, if you do, if you live your life the way you really want to live it. Mm. I stopped caring about that a long time ago. When I was teaching high school English, I did it my way. <laughs> I won't tell you how many schools I had to teach at before I settled. <laughs> but I did it my way, and I'm so happy I did, and I still hear from my former students. So I know that was the right way. Whatever we do that's our truth, that gives back to people, because that's important, and not just, oh, I'm going to indulge myself, I want to do that and heck with the rest of you. No, but if what you want to do influences others in a, in a positive way, either by example or because it brings them along to some place they haven't been able to get to on their own, then that's your right path. And that's so much more important. I feel that's so much more important than any God you may or may not believe in. How, whether you go to church, whether you, um, what your political beliefs are, what, I mean, if you just think, as long as I'm here, <laughs> what can I do that has integrity, authenticity, helps other people, and gives me joy? Can you just say that again, just to really drill Ooh, it? I'm going to try. It's the first time I've ever said it that way. <laughs> as long as I'm here, mm -hmm. what else can I do that... How did I say it? Well, it uh, gives to other people, brings people joy, and is your personal truth as well. Yes. Yes. I like that. Good stuff. And it, it, for, for somebody to have actually lived that, not just like, you know, seen somebody else do it and say like, oh, I hope everybody can be like that, but like, oh, I don't have to be like that because I'm the exception. I, I'm just going to do my own shy thing. Like, to, to live in yeah. such a bold way yeah. as you have, it, it, it means more coming from you because you're like an actual living example of Thank it. Thank you. Thank you. Well, you know, being bold, um, I guess I, yeah, okay, I'm bold. I am. But it's a matter, it's not that I don't care what people think. I care a lot what people think. But the people I care about are the people that are going to be saying to me, thank you for that. I needed that. I needed to hear that. I needed to learn that. I needed to do that. Um, I needed to be supported by someone in that way. I'm not so much worried. I, I don't really worry at all about the people who say, oh, not, don't do it that way. You, no, no. And that's true whatever I'm doing, whether it's in my writing or my speaking, my teaching, or even just my sitting down thinking about what to do next. It's very important to me. We're not in a vacuum. We can't just indulge ourselves, but the, the most beautiful thing is that if we are doing good in the world, we are also making ourselves happy. Because mm -hmm. that's the most authentic way we can live. I truly believe that. Hmm. Okay, this is... Uh, you got philosophical, didn't we? <laughs> uh, I guess this one's kind of you know abstract as well. Um, do you consider, when you choreograph dances, do you consider that to be an act of invention where you're creating it and it's, and it's you, uh, or discovery where it's more like the uh, you know the statue of David is inside of the block of marble? It's already there, and you just have to strip everything else away to discover it. 
or something else entirely. I love the Michelangelo example because I lived in Florence for a while mm. and um, I would go and stare at the Statue of David. But what he said that about was the prisoners, the slaves. He had these um, figures that he carved, but he didn't finish carving. So Mike, the, David is, is complete, it's polished, it's perfect. Um, but these, these prisoners, are they look like they're pushing their way out of the block of marble, mm -hmm. but they're still in the block of marble. He didn't finish them, and he would always say, my job was to free them. They were imprisoned in the mar marble, and once I had freed them, my work was done. Mm -hmm. And he gave that as the reason why he didn't finish those, those sculptures. Uh, so I love that you gave that example. Now I can't remember your original question. Choreography. Choreography. Is it um, something that you invent or something that you discover when the dance is complete? Uh, now that I know what really good choreography is, I don't think I'm very good at it. So I'm, I'm happy to do it for a beginner dance because I feel that's a gift I bring to beginners. I'm not so interested in choreographing intermediate anymore because I don't, I just don't think I'm very good at it, and I, I would much rather say, uh, here, Brenda, you wear that hat. <laughs> I'll come to you, and I want some local choreography, because you're the best. Uh, and and Robert certainly was, was brilliant at it, too. But when I choreograph for beginners, it's always because I have in mind something I want to give them, that I want to make them smile. I want to welcome them into my world. I've discovered a song. I think it would be wonderful to dance to it. I either can't find a dance choreographed to it or I don't like the dances that are choreographed to it or they're not right for my class. So I'll go, okay, I have an, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this for them. And I, um, the year that Robert died, I was in profound grief and it was the worst thing ever. And when I, um, when I got to my, I think it was my birthday, he had always done so much. He'd always celebrated me, given me gifts, cooked me dinner, done special things for me. And here I was approaching my first birthday without him. And I was seeing a grief counselor at that time, and I said, I just don't know what to do with that day. And she said the wisest thing. She said... Do two things for that day. Do one thing that honors Robert. Do something else that helps other people. So I went, oh my gosh. So I did one thing that honored Robert, and then for the what helps other people, I said, I'm going to choreograph a beginner dance to a song that is a remake of a song that he really loved. And I'm going to choreograph a whole new dance, a beginner dance that's had nothing to do with him, but it is going to be something I give to other people that lets me celebrate my birthday. So that's what I did, and it was so helpful. Hmm. So anytime I choreograph and thinking I'm going to bring back that dance, that dance was called Upbeat, hmm. and I was going to call it Two Left Feet, to welcome beginners, but I found there were other dances by the, that name, and I didn't, you know, so I did upbeat. I'm going to bring that back. Once my new foot is working, I'm going to teach upbeat again. Oh, wonder if it... Hmm. 
when I hit the button, it started recording. So <laughs> I guess we're, the, the audio has been running the whole time, but uh, okay. the, the video will have a, an interesting break in it at oh, some point. How long did we have an interesting break? Well, I have no idea. Oh. During that last segment, I guess. Okay. Uh, anyhow, so uh, we'll just get a nice selfie of the two of us at some point. And, yes. Uh, like, hey, all right, I'll still screenshot that, and then uh, that'll, that'll be part of the, uh, the, the video list part. All right, okay, so hey, this is perfect for that. What is the worst botch you have ever made in your role within the line dance community, whether it was um, using equipment that pauses on occasion or uh, <laughs> MP3 players that skip, uh, a fall that you had that you know everybody saw? <laughs> is it, what was the worst botch that you've made? I... Uh... I'm not thinking of something that was this huge humiliation. All I can think of as botches were when I did something that was not right for the students in the class to where they didn't want to be there. I taught a dance they didn't like, and I could tell they didn't like it, and it, I couldn't abandon it. It's too late. Mm -hmm. or I was teaching something that was too hard for the beginners and I could have just said and, and maybe now would just say I don't know what possessed me to choose that can you just forget that we were doing that let's, let me do something else and just make it my fault you know oh, this was just my fault this is dumb dance we're not going to do this not say oh I didn't know you wouldn't get it because <laughs> that's not the point um, I, so I don't know I didn't uh, I don't remember falling on the floor. I might have. <laughs> call anyone by the wrong name. Oh, Maybe they're twin yeah. sisters. Oh, sure, I've done that. But I don't, I mean, after teaching high school and having right. to learn 30 names times five every year, mm -hmm. that's nothing. Okay. Nothing to have just one class to try to keep track of. Let's see. Oh, uh, how can... Dancers, instructors, DJs, and other members of the line dance community best transition from the the community level of uh, of dancing to the bars and the venues, or vice versa. Because there are some people they go on the circuit, they do all those those big events. And then there's some people who stay in their community center events. There are some people who just go to the bars and they don't know about either of the others, like me when I started out. How would you um, how would you get people to become aware of the other ways that they could line dance? Well, I think having the flyers for whatever else is going on is a good thing. But also realize not everybody wants to just line dance every evening. Mm -hmm. There are people who have a hard time making uh, freeing up one evening a week or two evenings a week. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to ever make people feel if you're not doing it all, you're not really line dancing. Or you weren't at Sunday social, so you didn't learn that dance. Well, well, sit down now because you can't dance tonight either. Mm -hmm. I want to make sure that every class is self-contained. If that's the only one you're at, you're gonna you're gonna be fine. Yeah, this is actually some of my favorite episodes of Doctor Who, are the ones where it starts and ends, and you only have to see that episode to enjoy it. Yeah. There are other ones where you drop into the middle of this long-running you know, plot, and it's like, I have to do homework before I can enjoy this particular episode, and then after it's over, I don't even you know get to say that was it, I got I enjoyed it. No, this was prep for something else, mm -hmm. some event that I have to go to in the case of Lion Yeah. yeah. It, it, that's good, having it all self-contained. You know? Yeah. 
the drop-ins, uh, they can they can take that, and if that's the only time they ever go, they'll still speak yeah. well of it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I want to go back to a question you asked yes, before please. that I've got a new answer for now. All right. My worst gaffe. Oh, okay. I've now thought of something, and the only reason it didn't occur to me right away is that I'm so embarrassed about it. So there was one evening where two of my favorite dancers thought I said something that I'm sure I didn't say. It, w it embarrassed one of them. It was calling attention to something in an embarrassing way, and I'm not going to you know, try to reconstruct it. But I could swear I never said it. I would never say it. I could not have said it. But the two of them were sure I had said it. Somehow they heard it, and I don't know whether it sounded like something I said. or. Uh, and anyway, they didn't come back. And I felt so terrible, and I was not able to undo that. And I don't know, I don't know the truth of what happened, because I, I, and I still think to this day I never could have said that. I couldn't have said that. I don't feel that. I don't think that. It isn't that it would slipped out, because I don't think that. But they're sure they heard it from me, and so that was their truth, and they didn't come back. So that is my great regret. That's happened to me at uh, bars where like the, the music's too loud or something. If I, I I've become more aware now of words that sound like other words because because mm. uh, now I just know to think of a synonym just to be absolutely clear of what it is that I'm saying. Yeah. Because uh, yeah, once you say it, you can't you know, put the toothpaste back in the tube. It's out there, and you, you can't don't say it. Yeah, you, you can't uh, always clarify to them yeah. either because you know. They, they, if they're convinced, then that's that. Yeah, and if someone says, you said that, we both heard you say that, then what can I say? No, I didn't. I mean, what's the, what's the good of saying no? I just didn't. You were both wrong. So I have no idea what I might have said that sounded like that. Um, but anyway, I have great regrets about that. Well, thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Uh, what would you ask of your peers in the line dance community? Something that you, you wish that maybe would be different than the way things are now, or it, maybe if there's just something you want to commend people for. Uh, this could include DJs, dancers, instructors, choreographers, venue owners, photographers, promoters, security personnel, bartenders, <laughs> event hosts, and anyone else you can think of. What's something that you, when you have the ear of all of them for this period that they're listening... Just what would you put on blast? What would you shout out to all of them, uh, or any of them specifically, uh, in their roles? Be welcoming to the new people. Yes. That's that's the big thing. Mm -hmm. Because so often someone will come to a venue, whether it's the DJ or the security personnel or the bartender or whatever it is, they feel like they don't know anybody. Everyone else knows everybody else. They don't know anybody. And they're going to feel like they came away and still never knowing anybody. But if people say, hi, I don't remember seeing you before, what's your name? And then they make a point of trying to remember that name. Or if they don't, they admit they don't. I say, oh, darn my senior memory. Can you give me that name again? I promise I won't ask you more than three times tonight. <laughs> now, just please draw them in. Make them feel welcome. Um, give them a little bit of advice. Like, don't stand in the back because the dance will turn around and then you'll end up leading. So... I know it feel, may feel uncomfortable, but come right to the front. Be in the middle of the front row, and you'll be good. You'll be able to see the instructor. Believe me, that's what I had to do when I started. Or even take someone under your wing and, and say, yeah, 
it's pretty hard dance. Don't mm. don't worry, you won't get it the first time. But if you come back, keep coming back. Give it three times. Give it five times. Mm. And I'll be here next week. I'll look out for you. For the choreographers out there, is there anything that you would like to see incorporated more into new dances? <laughs> don't make us turn on the right foot anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's wonderful when the choreographers are already thinking of modifications for people who need them. So if you've got something that does a, a turn and a half followed by another double turn, think about it or non-turning option. Most good choreographers will do that already. But some don't, you know, just don't think of that. They think, of course, we all want to do two and a half, three and a half turns. Mm. The other thing is be really clear with your step sheet. Mm. The instructors don't just learn with the YouTube video. They study the step sheet. And if something doesn't make sense, they're not going to know how to do it. And no... It doesn't matter how many times we keep rewinding to that spot of the video, can't figure out exactly how that matches that. Mm -hmm. So have other people read your step sheet. You're going to make mistakes in it. There are going to always be errors in a step sheet. Don't release it until you've had other people read it, until you've taught it to your class, mm -hmm. using your own step sheet, not using how you remember the dance. Teaching from your own step sheet and see if it makes sense. Get someone who knows how to write step sheets to help you with it. Mm. Even if it means maybe you shell out a little dough. Don't ask people to work for nothing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, it kind of goes back to you saying you know, it helps support the, the yeah. cause here. Yeah. Um, the step sheets are much better now. Mm. Uh, thanks, of course, to Copper Knob, where once you see it on Copper Knob, it better make some sense, because mm. a lot of people are going to be using it. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, worldwide. Yeah, worldwide. Trans right. It's got to be basic enough so they can translate that you know, right. to, to terms they understand. And if something is not making sense, then make it make sense. Mm. Or change it. Change the step. If it's hard to explain what it is, mm. maybe you don't need that step. Yeah, just call it styling. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, here's a very, very big question. Dance has not uh, always been, or line dance at least, has not always been the way that it is now. And it will not probably always be the way that it is now in the future. Like you mentioned, uh, video changed everything. Yeah. So let's say it's 10 years, 20 years in the future. How would you describe what you see in the line dance landscape? Mm -hmm. What yes. has come? Uh, what has gone? And who is still involved in their current roles, probably, that you can imagine? And what is your part in it? I'll hand this to you if you'd like to look at it. No, I'm, I'm, yeah, maybe I do need this. <laughs> Ten years in the future, how would you say the line dance landscape? It's come when it's gone, we still know. Whether or not I am still involved depends on whether I'm still able to dance comfortably mm. at 82. Which may mean, I mean, I've had people leave my class in order to go into senior classes because in their 80s, they're not feeling, they get dizzy doing the turns, they don't want to. They may not like the music. They may not like the speed of the class, but they don't want to ask for it to be slowed down because that's what most people like. So on the one hand, we have to keep line dancing so that the aging population can continue to do it because they're the people who are doing it right now. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, if we don't bring in young people, 
it's going to die. Yeah. So we also need a way to appeal, and, and you will know this better than I will. How do you appeal to the younger people? How do you, for example, get to the PE classes in high school and say, you want me to come in and teach a line dance? Wouldn't that be a great place to have line dancing? Yeah. In, in junior high and senior high? Yeah, there are places that do family nights, like the ranch in Southern California, yeah. just uh, family night. Brandon Iron does one on Sunday nights as well. And it, it definitely brings out the younger kids, too. It's a safe environment where you know, nobody has to you know, partner dance and, oh, girls are yucky, boys are yucky. Like, they don't yes. have to worry about it. That's it's right. It's on partner. Yeah. And it's still physically active. It helps yeah. keep that childhood obesity down. You know? So let's get line dancing into the schools. Mm-hmm. Let's get specialists who know how to teach the different age groups. Mm-hmm. Because I'm sometimes asked, can you do, can you do a, a, like a sixth grade party? And I said... I honestly don't know how to teach sixth graders. Mm-hmm. I don't know what music they like. Mm-hmm. I don't know what moves they'll be comfortable doing. I don't know whether they even want to follow a 72-year-old. I mean, I probably look like I'm 102 to a sixth grader. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's their idea of a good party. Mm-hmm. But you coming in? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, if I were to teach. If you were to teach. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they'd look at you for sure. Boys who want to be you... Uh, the girls who want to look at you. <laughs> try to wear my baggier jeans. For no, own it, <laughs> own it. You are modeling what they can become. Don't disguise that. Flaunt it. Well, that's another question I have for you. Is that how would you how would you sell the idea of becoming an instructor to people so that they don't feel shy about it and they feel like it is my duty. Uh, it's something that could be even fun for you. What's fun for you as an instructor? that kept you from just wanting to be a dancer forever and only a dancer. <laughs> I like people to do what I want instead of me doing what they want. <laughs> okay. I mean, i got to say, that's the first thing that popped into my mind. I like giving directions rather than following them. Doesn't mean I won't follow them when I want to learn something, but uh, if I've learned something well enough to teach it, then I feel like I've really learned it. Mm-hmm. And so I, I do that in all parts of my life. I become a teacher in whatever it is I'm learning. Or uh, even your writing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I would say if you're a shy person, you're probably not an instructor. I may be wrong about that. I think most instructors are outgoing. They may um, they may be introverted at times. When I'm writing, I'm very introverted. I don't see anyone. I don't want anyone to draw. Don't ever drop in on me, ever. I want to know you're coming. Because if I think I'm going to be alone, I want to be alone. Uh, but then when I know I'm going to be out teaching a class, I'm totally there for them. So I think for someone who is always in the introverted state, who feels, okay, I want to be a teacher, but I don't want anybody looking at me. No, not a good, not a good fit. Where do you see unexplored potential in line dance? What do you think uh, has, has not been um, maybe integrated with it or places that it hasn't gone yet that, uh, that you think should be tapped? I see, I've seen over the last 25 years a way it's gone that I really love, that it was started country western, and then people who had dance training in other genres said, I want to choreograph a line dance. So we had people who'd been ballet dancers and who'd been social dance uh, 
it's ballroom dance instructors or who've been jazz dancers or musical theater dancers that have done all these other things in their life said, let me see what I can apply to line, how I can do a line dance that fits with my genre but is accessible to everybody. Mm. And I thought that was a beautiful heyday of line dancing when that was just starting to happen. Mm. Now it's so, it, it, it's so understood anybody from any genre of dance can, can do line dancing now. So it isn't anything new. It was new for a while. Where is it going from here? I can't think of what hasn't been done. That doesn't mean there isn't anything that hasn't been done, but I can't think of what it is. That is probably just some cap on my understanding. Do you have an idea of that? Oh, I, I mean, I'm always looking for any. I have a huge document on my phone of, of just any line dance thought that comes to mind. Uh, one of the ones you might have seen lately is that I've been bringing my three sixty my three hundred and sixty degree camera out to to the lessons I teach at Sonoma State Line Dance Club, and from the middle of the floor it records in all directions, mm. so that when we all change walls, oh. they don't have to look at me. And I can demo this once once we're all once we're all wow. done here. When uh, when you put your phone in the viewer and you're watching the first wall, you're seeing the back of their feet. Now we do a quarter turn. You turn your head, and you you're your your view changes. You're seeing the back of the next person. Oh, that's feet. wonderful! And then the next person, and the next person, and it responds so quickly. There's no lag or delay, so that oh a, a, a half turn, you spin around. There's the back of their feet. Quarter turn, back of their feet. Another half turn, and that's one wow. of those. You don't have to crane your neck and look at the laptop anymore when you're following along with the the video because they all turn. And that's just like one of those little things where. I didn't know that was possible. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the technology will allow technology, things yeah. to happen that have never happened before. Yes. And uh, I'm always looking for, um, like, what self-driving cars. Uh, if, if I see some new technology like self-driving cars, how can this help with line dancing? Well, people have tour buses. Uh, so, that you know, you know vehicles are that size, like school mm -hmm. buses, things like that. What if you cleared out most of the seats or you put bench seats around the outside put a dance floor in the middle uh -huh. so you've got let's say this big road trip to Vegas dance explosion and you got a five hour drive to be there because you don't want to take the plane why don't we learn some dances that they're going to be doing at the event on wow. the bus wouldn't that be amazing yes yeah. and then you know with self-driving cars coming in the next probably 10 years or so Google's invested a lot into it and uh, major car manufacturers are investing a lot into it uh I feel like travel is going to be a lot more common uh, within states, and if people aren't flying as much because you know they can't afford it or whatever, maybe the the price of uh, inter like within the state travel will go down. So getting more people on board with the same dances, like I go to this place, I'm gonna know how to do those dances because there's this resource available online that shows me what they're doing at that club. That's one of the things that I've been... Beautiful. I've got a spreadsheet with like hundreds, you know, a couple hundred dances uh, and a chart showing these are all the ones they do in uh, in Long Beach at uh, Cowboy Country. Or yeah, I've old seen ones. that spreadsheet, yeah. yeah like, it's stuff like that. Anytime a new technology comes out, I think, how can this relate to Lion Dance? Lion Dance Train. Yes, yeah, like Soul Train. <laughs> or like the Wine Train in, uh, in yeah. Napa. I like that. yeah. Yeah, like there are things you like that. Take a train to an event and you dance, so you have a dance floor. Mm -hmm. And you're ready. It's, yeah. You can be a complete beginner at the start of the, the journey. Uh -huh. And when you get there, it's like, oh, I already know like 10 of these dances. Yeah. Like, hit the music. Yeah, I'm ready. So like the line dance cruises, but yeah. trains and yeah. yeah. 
and then you could do the you know circuit to different uh, clubs like mm-hmm. let's say that uh, one place does the the big night on Wednesday and then the next place does a big night on Thursday you just hit every every night in a row come back home on Sunday night or Monday morning or whatever and uh, it, it's it's like a whole you know land-based cruise for a week of line dancing yeah and then you don't have to go to England to, to see their big event uh, you can just see what's at home you know yes. see what's near you yes and take advantage of, uh, of of all of that and support all of your local people as well Christopher you are the future of line dancing uh, yeah that's one of my other questions what what do you uh, hope for the future of line dance like I, when I when I see how square dancing kind of has, has it's becoming more and more of an extinct form of, of dance like what do you what do you vision, like, in your heart of hearts? Like, sometimes I, I think I see, like, everybody doing some line dance together. Whole world, like, cross boundaries of language and, and you know, politics and stuff. Because you, you, don't, you don't know about people's politics right now before you're just dancing with them. What is it that you hope for humanity <laughs> in relationship with line dance? Politicians who line dance Ooh. would make them a whole different people. I think that would. That would be pretty neat stuff. Who would you who would you want to, to to get on board first? Who do you think would be receptive if they're listening right now? Oh, I think Barack Obama might come out. Oh yeah, he might turn out to line dance. He He's done other interesting things that people didn't think he'd do. That's true. You know, doing hikes and climbs and all sorts of stuff. Let's get him in a line dance class. Michelle Obama is very much about Michelle and the kids, activity. definitely. Um, I would I would just like to invite all the candidates to come to the line dance class. Uh, maybe we'll have a special one for them because of course the Secret Service people and all of their folks will have to be there and um, you know, check the guns at the door mm. and uh, let's just dance. I would love to see that. Would that be fun? That'd be so cool. Wouldn't that change the world? Definitely. And you figure the, the number of seats there are at the United Nations, that's enough to fill a dance floor. Let's do it. There we go. Line dancing at the UN. Last couple of questions I have for you. Um, one, how would people get in contact with you if they wanted to find out more about your published works, uh, your website? Thank um, you and, for that. Mm-hmm. How, how would they contact uh, you ideally in a way that, uh, that works best for you? They can find out about me from joanprice.com. That's my website. It's J-O-A-N-P-R-I-C-E dot com. No spaces. Um, my blog about senior sex is naked at our age dot com. No spaces. Again, just naked at our age dot com. My line dancing schedule is at joanprice.com. So if they go to the website, they'll see there are lots of different drop-down menus. One is line dancing. They can see my schedule, where I'm teaching. And anyone who wants to email me, joan at joanprice.com and uh, my final question what dance do you think everyone should learn right now (laughs) I really don't have an answer for that because it depends on the level of a dancer Uh, it depends on what they like see again it's not about me it's about them. So I would have to interview someone and say, so what kind of music do you like? So what kind of moves are comfortable for you? So do you have any aches and pains I need to know about? Any limitations? So instead of giving you a dance that I think everyone should learn, I think that everybody should come into class and start learning the dances and then start making requests of the instructors. Hmm. Interesting approach. 
right. Well, is there is there anything else that you would like to say uh, before we go? I am so happy you had me on this podcast. You're doing great service, Christopher, by interviewing people in the line dance world. And I hope a lot of people will um, listen, watch, and and take some of these kernels of ideas back to their own classes. All right. Thank, Thank you, you very for much the for the work you do. Thank you. All right. We'll see you all next time.